All right. And we are live. Welcome to the Iron Lords Podcast, episode number 81. And it's another glorious Sunday, and we are back at the round table on the Lord's Day. I'm extremely excited about our special guest, so we're going to get right into it. I want to introduce a Lord who is not only one of the greatest legal minds throughout the realm, but is also an amazing follow on Twitter for his extremely candid takes within the gaming community. Although his opinions may conflict with some, this Lord is always willing to engage in healthy debate, defines the rules to the game with his outstanding blog posts, and is always willing to help us out with his amazing hashtag, Tweets Not Legal Advice. Introducing the attorney and creator of the whole law business law firm. Recently voted as one of the best lawyers in America for his work in corporate law and the Lord who championed Star Control Origins as his 2018 Game of the Year. The University of Michigan's own, making his debut into the realm of the Lords. My man, Lord Rick Hogue. How you doing, sir? I'm good. Can I can I take you around to events? <laughs> you just just wear them around your neck, like <laughs> we, you know. We get a song going, and you say, "Is that Hope's music?" I hear. I think we're ready to go. <laughs> you are a lord in your role, so it's only right I had to show you the proper respect here at the round table. How you doing, man? I'm good. I appreciate that. I, I yeah, I like the uh, I like the sentence on uh, may disagree with. That's uh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've only been on uh, I've only been on Twitter for about a year, and uh -huh. uh, people say things, man. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, I love it because you. One thing about Hogue I like is that he really he really makes you think, and he really gets you riled up if you're on either side of the fence. You know what I'm saying? And it's very very cool to see. So we're gonna get that. Oh, I see King snuck in the door. Oh, I'm happy now. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, King? Your levels is good. <laughs> It's Big fantastic. Baby. I'm trying okay. to keep it low and you know get everything set up. You all know. right, all right, King. I'm good ready. morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. I do good apologize. All good, man. All good. We're glad yeah. you made it. You know, Attic, brother, my brother from another mother will uh, be joining in progress, but you know we have the four horsemen of gaming, those original lords of the realm here at the round table, and of course, the most technical gaming lord. The solo gamer who lives for the single player selfish experience and also the Sostradamus. Mr. Offline Profile Illuminati and Lord Patreon of the Iron Bank. My man, Lord Sovereign. How you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic this Sunday morning. Doing very, very well. You know, fall is in full swing. Mm -hmm. Games are coming out. Yanks in the playoffs. You know, it, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Last night, I have to say, mm -hmm. I... I shed a few tears. Talk that to me. the homage to the captain, the the Mets captain, David Wright. Lovable that, losers. You want to talk that lovable was, losers? That, that, was, Mets, that, that, is, that was so thing. sad. That was yeah, so sad. So sad. That was so you know what? We okay. get it. Get it. Get it. It really was. It really was. Like the, everything from his daughter throwing out the first pitch yeah. to him, you know, just just the way he he sort of defers to the crowd and his teammates. Yeah. Um, just an amazing dude. Very sad that he, you know, he can't, he couldn't have a long and more prosperous career. Um, still leaving the organization being number one and number two in a lot of categories, which is amazing uh, unto itself. Uh, it was really beautiful thing to see. I wish I, I tried to get tickets 
And mm. but I, I saw the press conference late. So by yeah. the time I went to buy tickets, it was sold out. And that place was packed. It looked like game seven of the World Series. It yeah, it, it was really uh, I want to jump in on that because um, you know, as a Met fan, you know when it hit me, Sov, because obviously that team was so talented, they were young, and it, to mm-hmm. see Reyes and him together on that side of the infield, and it just brought back the feel like that was supposed to be the future for them. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. only they only they got to the World Series one, they won one pennant, and it was just like, oh man, you know. But he what is cool too is he was so happy to be there. You see, like he really was happy to get on that field. So he was. I wish he had played the whole game though. I I know yeah. they they had a range only for a couple of innings and a couple of bats, but I wish he had just stayed in the whole game. Yeah, I don't think his body would have held up for the rest of the game. So oh you know he had to be there. <laughs> I mean, in and out, the, in and out. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's you're not wrong. Vital <laughs> status. Yeah, he he did not want to show up and then have to show out for the rest of his life. You understand what I'm saying? So, yeah, real quick, real quick, what I'm playing. Um, oh, that Forza Horizon. Oh, oh Lord. Yeah. Uh, Oh well, I got the um. I didn't get the ultimate version. I I love Forza Horizon, but mm-hmm. I'm not a car junkie like that to pay a hundred bucks for it. So mm-hmm. I went out. And I went to my local mom and pop store and I, <laughs> shout out I to Mister Lee. No, it sounds like it was. Uh, I, oh, you no, I went. To, I went to some place that you that you like, <laughs> and oh. I got it from them. Uh, um, that that should not be disclosed with legal representation <laughs> on the show. No, 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 I got it. I got it. That's great. That's great. He's like, yes. <laughs> so, man, that game. Again, it, it threw Laura Croft in the bushes for a little while there, man. Like it really yeah, did. I, I saw you playing Tomb Raider. I said, "Is he on?" I had to rub my eyes. I was like, "Is Sovereign on?" <laughs> I told you, I'm on. I'm just not talking to anybody. But I'm on. <laughs> no, 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 but no. that, yeah, that that Forza man, like a new bar set for open road racing games. Like the mm. crew too in the bushes. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, it just you no. Know. That's one of my one. biggest disappointments of the year, Crew Two. I, I really enjoyed the first Crew. That the not so much the sequel. The, the concept was they just haven't they they need they need to hit it out of the park with the concept. They haven't really done it. But mm. now let me let me ask you this because now what? Because I haven't picked it up yet. I'm El Cheapo right now. Destiny's taking my life. So my question to you, Sov, is: Is it? Have you tried both modes? Because apparently, it, what is it like a performance mode? Is it sixty frames per second mode as well as a? I uh, tried like kind of HDR mode, four K. I tried both modes during the demo and Mm -hmm. what I came away from, I I decided to go with 60 right now. I'll probably, I play this game so much. I'll go back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm playing the 60 frames per second mode. Cause the thing for me is Mm -hmm. in other games with 60 frames per second modes, they eliminate a lot of the, um, the effects and details. So that's what I was worried about. So in this mode, you do you get the the resolution downgrade but the effects is all still there so the game still looks equally beautiful and then got to give a shout out to the samsung qleds like Mm -hmm. the upscaling ability of our tvs like Mm -hmm. the game still looks absolutely phenomenal like it does like talking about oh he can't here he is here we go here we go. We'll finish up. He, he, yeah, he was we're talking big about, money talk. He was talking big money talk. Four K talk. Not you. We're not yeah. talking about it. We, we talking. We we're not talking about to you, ten eighty p man. Oh my god. <laughs> but that, that's it. But, that's all you've been rocking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I got into the. I played some of the Soul Caliber beta. Oh, oh. lord. Mitsurugi is back. Back. Nice, he's back. Man. He's back. He's back. Um, the game runs beautifully. Looks great. Um, they changed a lot of the. I it's, forgot it's, you didn't go to E3, so you talking about old yeah. stuff. Yeah, we played we that. We saw that thing. Yeah. amazing. Yeah. Bro. 
Uh, but I got my tail handed to me online, so you know I gotta get in there. I gotta gotta get in the dojo. Gotta get the dojo. Sharpen up them scales. No doubt. <laughs> so it looks like my co-host with the co-most came through the door. My brother from another mother, the difficult game conqueror, and the how of the young wolf. My man, Lord Addict, how you doing, sir? Doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. We got Hogue in the building. Yes, Morning. Yes. <laughs> no doubt. What you been playing, man? What you been playing, Attic? Pretty much just Destiny. Sounds like Attic needs a, a two-hour energy or something. <laughs> yeah, he needs a five-hour <laughs> man. You're going to have to deal with it. This 11 o'clock stuff ain't for me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's for the fishes. It's like in these. the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I said that today. I said, oh, my God. God, God the 90s will be eliminated from, this, from, from contention, so my, my interest will be waiting soon. I'm waiting on your jets. Now, let me start kidding. Uh, listen, I, my jets is in the bushes. I already told you. Until they can actually put something together, that first game, and everybody's like, oh, it's on. I said, shut up. Shut up. I've seen this act before. I said, just wait till next week where disappointment creeps right back in. And Dude. Sure enough, right on cue, disappointment creep right back in. So, <laughs> and then the week after that, disappointment was going to creep right back in. So. Uh, in fairness to your Jets, I said this before the, the podcast started. My Lions have made a lot of NFL teams feel real good about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But didn't they, wait, wait, wait. Time out. Time out. But didn't your Lions beat the Patriots? Patriots. Oh, they beat them bad. But I thank you. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> you hey, maybe Matt Patricia has some real deep seated feelings about the Patriots, and he's going to lose to the rest of the division and just beat to beat the Patriots to death. I don't know. If he if he does that every week, I I will tune in for that. That's the only thing I would tune in for. <laughs> it's, it's man. He got his intro on deck, and of course we have the incredible Hulk of this, aka the Excess Gamer. Ooh. The Lord of Combat Sports, who is a man of his convictions, demands nothing less than that premium experience. It is the leader of the fraud alert movement. Ooh. Beloved Lord King, how you doing, sir? Oh, my God. Lord Cognito had to wake this dude up. <laughs> yo, I said, okay, I said, yo, I said to myself, I said, all right, yo. I got a good uh, hour. Let me just lay down. Let me just get some sleep. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it. I did that too, but it wasn't an hour. It was 30 minutes. <laughs> bruh. Bruh. My, I, I fell asleep watching the, the Kavanaugh stuff. And mm -hmm. that, that's that's the most hilarious stuff television can give you. If you want, if I, you want to be informed, what listen to watch uh, Lord Hogue's tweet timeline. If you really want to be, informed. no, you know what? I try to stay away from the whole political realm. I really, actually do. I mm -hmm. really try to stay away from it. Same but yeah. I've never seen an individual not answer a question in so many ways. <laughs> I said, Yo, I said I'm sorry. I said guilty or not guilty. I really don't care. But I said that man has the art of the dodge like his dodge button like he is constantly <laughs> hitting the x button or the juke button and mad at because he's not getting tackled he's not getting taken down this is the funniest playing, thing sir. well all right right now i've mm -hmm. been playing destiny non-stop 
And I've 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 fell back on helping anyone. Lord Lord Attic found out the other day because he hit me up. He's like, Yo, King, yo, you want to do this escalation protocol? I said, No, sir, that'd be a no. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I "I do apologize because I need the shotgun. I said, Yeah, I need to level. There's other people in this clan that is almost 600, if not 600, you know, 599, 597, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And um. Here I am with my three characters sitting at five sixty five. I am sorry. I God bless you. Three characters. I don't yeah. even know how that, you're doing that, it. That, that's fine, King, Lord King. I, I just went to LFG like I always do. <laughs> no, I, I, listen, and I, and I like and I'm I said, starting to play with outside the clan when oh, I playing with the clan. Listen, like I said, with a heavy heart, I had to tell you no. You know, most of the time I tell you yes for everything. <laughs> so I do apologize, and I'm calling fraud on myself. Like I will call, I will call oh, I fraud on a lot of things this week. And I'm, I'm glad you got the shotgun. I swear, I, I know. I literally had it like the it. next run after you left. You know, oh, salute good, to you, I know you've been grinding so, for the escalation protocol shotgun. Out is there so. no no raid completions yet? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, IOP, yeah. yeah. We already oh, wait, had what? Um, um, yeah, no, oh, TAC did it. TAC okay. did it. Gotcha. TAC, gotcha. TAC had to leave the squad and go get it done. I mean, because mm-hmm. listen, this raid is a whole lot different than yeah. the last raid. Now, mm-hmm. you know, this raid holds you accountable, but mm-hmm. brother, it holds you accountable to such a level. They have the most crappiest minutia that's put inside of it that you mm-hmm. have to do in this this one picture room everybody know the picture room the yes. ogre joint that come on man i'm like come lot. on it's destiny don't, don't do this the scale yeah, is very good it's disgusting um it's, it's absolutely disgusting but um mm-hmm. it, it's worth it though the drops is worth it uh if you can get a good team in there to get it done we had chris uh pass and shout out to uh, lord chris lord chris did it mm-hmm. uh lord tack did it um, and we're supposed to do it again this weekend and, and get it done with the team. The funny so. thing is that picture room. Uh, we was in that with Lord Sinister. We was in the last picture room with like 50 seconds left. I was like, all right, let's take our time. Since like, jump on them. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up dying. Real, real, and you messed real, it up, right? Yeah. Real quick, uh, Lord Attic. Uh, Kevin in chat says um, that he needs Attic to return to Halo Wars. I never seen my dude on there anymore. So what's up oh, with Halo Wars? That, that's Halo, not happening. Halo Wars needs to fix Halo Wars. So yeah, it's messed it's up right happening. now. Yeah, no, RTS? it's not messed up. The meta is just in a bad place. Got you. Okay. So of course we got King out the way. Um, yeah, of course it's me, the gaming ninja himself, the Shinobi, Lord Cognito, to bring that real- realness in the realm of the IOP. Not telling you what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. So similar to the Lords, yeah, just for me, I've been playing. You know, Destiny Two definitely taking up my life. I had to take a break, y'all. I actually spoke to Ivantis about this. I've been suffering from sleep deprivation because of this game. (laughs) And it's not good. It's not good. This is not good for my health. So I had to give me like a two day sabbatical and actually I broke, I broke that protocol actually too. Because you know what I did, King? I had to go and log into Spider so I get those master what cards for the cheat before yep. he resets the next day. So they- oh, they they're fixing that. They're taking masterwork cards out of the yeah, game. Yeah, they're gonna do because the economy is real tough for infusion yeah, to do that. The way yeah, the way you're doing it is because I started so with over. They're taking the masterwork cards out. I had over thousand five hundred. Yeah, mm-hmm. masterwork cards, and I'm down to three. 
Yeah, it, it's bad. I mean, Cactus had a funny tweet where he had um Nino Brown and put the gun to his friend's head, and it's like he said, when you when you had your best destiny gun from year one, but you out of masterwork course. I don't think <laughs> they need to take masterwork cores out, but they no, need- the the way they're doing it, they have to take it out. No, but what they're doing is they're, they're replacing it. They basically yeah. they they're renaming it something else, and then they're also making the option to get them a little bit more easier. Yeah, because, I, I think yeah. If, if you made it to where you know, first off, you can make it to where Spider, you know, is a little bit more flexible, not just three day, right? Or mm-hmm. you can make it to where because there's ten levels and you need it for everything above three, right? Just make it to like the last three you require master cores. They're doing a lot, man. You got to re- watch the Flashpoint list when many bonds just broke it down, <laughs> and they did, definitely did. They're saying that they understand the problem. That what they, they need to do is they need to get rid of those those resources because I ain't about that life. <laughs> You need to grind your resources. Hold on, let me let me say one thing um, before we start the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do uh, uh, um, a combat talk, and it's not going to be about um, any fights because mm-hmm. uh, there was no fights. This uh, particularly good fights right. this weekend. It was crappy fights this weekend, mm-hmm. but it's going to be on the death of HBO boxing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And it. Yeah, it's it's a pretty sad thing, but it's very intricate in how we got from point A to point, to point B, and B. it's not yeah. as clear as people may think it is, as they, you know, just mm. either got their butt whipped by this person and just was like, you know what, I'm done. Mm. No, it, it, it was a, a slow descent mm-hmm. into exactly where they're at, at the bottom. Yeah. So It used to be the creme um, de la creme. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, yeah, love, definitely look out for it. I miss those days, uh, Larry Merchant, Jim Lampley, all that good stuff. So, and Roy with the green mic. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, yeah, y'all might not like uh, where I take that combat talk uh, okay. because it's, it's it's definitely gonna touch and it's gonna poke a lot of nerves. Um, <laughs> but I'm gonna have to tell it like it is, and some people may not like want to hear it. We look forward to it. But yeah, man. Other than that, for me, um, I got a shout out, man. My guys from Weppy Studios and THQ Nordic. This is the police part two returns. I've been playing that. Oh, the debauchery. Let, let, let me. I, I want to give that game a shout out. Like, I didn't. I played a little bit of the first one, mm-hmm. but I didn't really because uh, I had it for the Xbox and I had it for the Switch, mm-hmm. and I didn't really like dive dive into it. But like, I guess the XCOM thing like got me in a little bit more. Yeah. But like some of the 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 dialogue in this game. <laughs> Is I'm just like I was reading it to Kid Smooth, like literally. There's a there's a there's literally a time uh, where someone's like someone is tr- uh, you know they're 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 talking about all kinds of really dark stuff, and yeah. it's and, and you have an option to say good. I don't got time for yourself either. Jump. Yes, like so. Trying to commit suicide. The, the 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 police calls that you respond to and the scenarios, Lord Hog, that you have to deal with. This game is the most not suitable for work game. I am shocked it is on a Nintendo platform. <laughs> like to be honest, like and I've said this with the first one. The second one is great. They shout out to they got the voice actor from Duke Nukem. He's back, which was the main character, Jack Boyd. He's kind of more in a supplementary role this time. There's a female police chief. There is anti-feminist stuff going on in this game. Like this game touches all subjects. If you feel a way about certain subjects or groups, 
this game attacks it. There, there's no filter. <laughs> <laughs> and all type of corruption and debauchery. The game is hilarious. It's a little bit of XCOM as far as tactical when you go on the scene. But prior to that, it's really well written. You have a lot of dialogue in between, and it's people management. You have to manage your cops. You have to man. They get tired. Guys will make up excuses every day to not to come up to work. It, it, it is so much. It's fun, funny. I, I'm back in my zone. So I'm warning the lords now. During the week, late night, my tweets might be not suitable for because <laughs> I'll be screenshotting some of the stuff. And it's funny, man. Oh, my God. I, had a, I actually convinced someone to buy it. They're like, is it worth $30? I was like, I, I'm not. I'm only like two hours into it. I could tell you this game is worth $30. I know for a fact it's got replay value. Yeah. No doubt. So let's get into it, man. We got a lot to, got to talk about in this show. So now we got into what the Lords are playing. I want to start off with Lord Hogue. His video game system history, his initial legal journey and eventual creation of Hogue Law Business Law Firm, and of course, what led him to become the leader of the Help Us Out Hogue and Tweets Not Legal Advice Movement. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lord John, let's start. Let's start. Please, actually, Lord Rick, start from the beginning. What were some of the first video game systems you had, and what got you into gaming? Oh man! Well, I, I like so many people. My uh, my father was a big techie um, mm. back in the seventies, um, mm. and so the first thing that I can remember is 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 really old. I mean, we had an Intellivision, uh, we Woo! had we had an Atari twenty six hundred, um, and, and that really graduated into an Atari ST, a Commodore sixty four, um, into NES at the end of the eighties, and then nice. kind of on the PC side with Ataris. Uh, yep. ultimately with uh, a lot of Macintoshes at the time. Mm. Um, so we had we had an old Mac that uh, overheated at the top, so we had a paper chimney that uh, <laughs> you know, put on top of the Macintosh to keep it uh, to keep its heat down. And I remember a lot of good games on those. I used to play the adventure type games. Ooh, um, okay, okay. Uh, nice, man. And uh, yeah, that was that that love really came from my father, in all honesty. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. and as as that period went on, obviously Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis. But even the more expensive niche stuff, we got a chance to play. So we had a TurboGrafx mm. CD, we had a CD, we had a 3DO. Um, yes. And okay. uh, and that love just permeated my life. Honestly, uh, you know, awesome. I really was a defender of video games, even in the 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 nerd classes in in middle school and high school on debate and on quiz bowl nice. and tech, telling people that. You know, this is how I learned a lot of vocabulary was from Final Fantasy VI, and I learned mm. King's Quest. King's uh, Quest, remember? And King's I, uh, wow. I started thinking about economics and developing my, uh, you know, uh, political and economic philosophies from playing Civilization and Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri, um, playing so games cool. like Aerobiz on the Super Nintendo, and, and those yeah. things. Man. And uh, I've maintained that love throughout. Um, mm. So. Uh, I, I went to Michigan Law School from 2002 to 2005. In 2005, mm -hmm. I get out of law school, mm -hmm. and I'm hired by um, a big law firm in Ann Arbor, um, so right okay. there near the law school. Uh, and I start out doing um, venture capital and, and mergers and acquisitions, and I don't want to bore your listeners. We can talk about the details on any of that as much mm -hmm. as you want or as little as you want. Sure. Um, but I did that for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And then um, 2008 rolls around. And uh, as, as, as you might remember, a lot of stuff slowed down, including venture capital in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And uh, like a lot of employers, they say, all right, that's good. But uh, what are you doing to make sure that you keep your plate full? What are you, what are you doing to make sure we're keeping the revenues up? Right. 
And so I said, well, you know, I have a, I have a deep love for, for games and technology and Ann Arbor is a big hot spot for development of new, new mm -hmm. inventions, ideas, biopharmaceuticals, life sciences. And I said, mm -hmm. um, let's start to do more, uh, software stuff. And we had a kind of small burgeoning software, um, a field at Honigman, Miller, Schwartz and Cohn, which is the big law. Yeah, which is which, which, yeah, that's, that's your home base first. That's where you started. Yep. Big that was, big. that was where it started. And I worked on um, uh, software, and at that Ooh. point in time, software as a service was very novel in terms of what legal documentation was behind it. It still is, frankly. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I put it upon myself to go learn how to do those documents, how to negotiate those licenses and intellectual property. Mm -hmm. And as we went on from there, a lot of the big clients at that law firm had mm -hmm. custom software development needs. So I had those nice. connections, I made those connections, and ultimately mm -hmm. venture capital came back, mergers and acquisitions came back, and on top mm -hmm. of that, I had this burgeoning software practice. Nice. So from there, mm -hmm. uh, I decided I wanted to be an equity partner, senior partner, what, what, mm -hmm. the, the highest level at the law firm, and so I made That's that right. my goal, and in 2014. Going up the ladder, let's go. Up the ladder, 2014, I, I made that happen, got that, uh, got voted up as, a, as an equity partner. Uh, nice. ironically on the same day that Harbaugh was flying in to give his press conference to the University of Michigan, these, these things, you know, stick in your memory. <laughs> oh, boy, uh, shout out, shout out. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I got that, I said, Hey, you know, what's next? And I looked at it and I said, I want to run my own place. Nice. So I talked to some partners and I, and I talked about what that might look like. And in April of 2016, so not that long ago, but, uh, mm -hmm. long enough that I'm happy to say I can still feed the family. Um, it's, <laughs> Get that uh, we created the new law firm. Um, nice. And so 2016 Great. was mm -hmm. making sure that we could do it. Uh, 2017 was really kind of moving forward with what this, what it looks like to market this thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was when I initially connected with folks like the Easy Allies. It's when I started my Twitter. Right. Um, really on the notion that mm -hmm. uh, a lot yeah, of people could use good legal advice and a lot of people are kind of standoffish about what a lawyer is, especially a transactional lawyer. You know, right. one of the things I say on my, my tweets, one of the things I say in my emails, one of the things I say on my phone calls is, mm -hmm. I'm not a law and order guy. I'm not the guy that goes <laughs> and stands in front of the court and says objection overruled. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so what do I do? And, and communicating with people and, and, you know, I've come up with ways to say, hey, look, uh, you know, if you're signing your name to something, that's mm -hmm. when you should really think about maybe getting somebody to read that something for you. And whether uh -huh. that's a lease, whether that's a, a, a custom contract, whether that's a consulting agreement or a services arrangement, you know, maybe we can make that work. I know that lawyers are a cost center, but mm -hmm. uh, the thing I tell my clients is in general, I've, I've helped people to start out with and I've fixed a lot of problems mm -hmm. and fixing the problems costs five times as much. And so wow. if you can have that call with me to start out with, mm -hmm. if we can get you to a place where we say, hey, that provision is terrible. Let's cross mm -hmm. that out. Regardless mm -hmm. of whether they say it's non-negotiable, everything's negotiable. We can have that conversation and I feel like I can get that value added to folks that are starting up, maybe haven't done this before, and, and folks that maybe just don't know what they're signing up for. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, the story I like to give to folks is mm -hmm. I had a client that signed a, a waste management contract, just folks that come and pick up the trash. Yes. And they needed to move locations. They were growing, mm -hmm. they were expanding. They were a big successful company. They were moving mm -hmm. to a different spot. Mm -hmm. And this waste management contract said, that's fine. You can get out of this contract because we don't mm -hmm. service that new location, but it'll cost $19,000. Gotcha. And they wow. call me up and they say, uh, you know, it's 
$50 a month. What's, what's the deal here? And mm -hmm. I, I take a look at the contract. This is after the fact. I didn't look at it beforehand. And I say, right. well, they've got a provision here that says you owe them triple for every month on what would have remained under the contract. And you signed a 15 year waste management contract. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, oh, oh my goodness, can we get out of that? And so, you know, yeah. we can negotiate and say, but once you owe them that money, you're not in a positional leverage. Exactly. And so I, I, I feel like I can give value to folks that want to do good things, want to have good ideas, want to be out there and making our lives, all of our lives better by whatever idea they want to bring to fruition. And I can do it in a, in a way that's, um, uh, I, I, I hesitate to exactly use the word fun, but right. approachable. Approachable. That lawyers can be people and they can make jokes about Urban Meyer's history of lying. <laughs> Which uh, I've seen Twitter. on your, your timeline very often. Yeah. <laughs> at, at the same time, give good kind of conversational points about what the law is, what they should be looking right. out for. And then, yeah, live tweet nine hours of the Kavanaugh hearings. You know, I'm a full service law firm. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me back you up a little bit because you, you dropped so many gems. You, like, oh, my God. It's so much you dropped. Now, the thing I want to get, let, let's go back to the game for a second. Yeah, absolutely. Just for a second. And I I just want to say, like, okay, first of all, shout out to the dads out there because you, your history kind of similar to mine. My dad was kind of the one that was a techie that kind of introduced me to gaming. So you did say Atari 2600. I did. You, you did say Atari. You dropped some bomb names and you even said the niche stuff, which is like TurboGrafx 16 yeah. CD, which King, I know, is very yeah. pleased. Yes, 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 yes. 3DO, yes, yes. Now, yes. My, my dad mm. got me into Coleco. Now, was Coleco missed? I want to add, oh my God, addict to the young boy. But anyway. <laughs> We were, we're talking before his time, but like I noticed, you mentioned that you know I didn't, I didn't hear Coleco, and I wanted to ask you about NES, the original NES. Yeah. Did those have any gaps in there, or did you experience those as well? No, I had an NES. Um, mm -hmm. I, uh, I that was my first introduction to Final Ooh. Fantasy, which would be a, a lifelong. Nice. Um, and nice. I, I still vividly remember speaking to my father. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the few times we really needed help on a game, and you know, game facts, mm -hmm. the internet didn't exist back then. Right. So, yeah. game, game facts. facts. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, yes. he said game facts. Oh. Yes. Dragon Warrior, the original Dragon Warrior, um, <laughs> which was Dragon Quest in Japan, of course, mm -hmm. had a quest about two thirds of the way through where you had to find something called the Sunstone, mm. and the trick to finding this thing was that. The, the towns in Dragon Warrior would immediately pop you out to the world map when you left, except that one town didn't do that. And so you had to notice that if you, you could go two squares past the entrance point and walk around the outside wall and there was the sunstone. My dad and I could not figure this out to save our lives. And this was the one and only time that I remember that we called the Nintendo helpline. So and actually, we need the sunstone. That was like $10 an hour. Yeah, that it was, was like, it, some, some huge amount of money. $10 a minute, something crazy. And they, it was very funny because you could tell when it's one of those areas where clearly people were getting uh, hung up Stuck, yeah. because the guy basically said sunstone and then read us <laughs> the exactly. <laughs> so, but I remember that vividly. Obviously, that's a great memory for me working through these issues with my father. Yeah, right. and the original NES, the, the Hogue family had a game, Princess Tomato and the Vegetable Kingdom, I think, wow. that we would play, and we weren't allowed to play on our own, that we would play after dinner as a family. Wow, that's of cool. course, because I, I'm obviously a, a rebel and a renegade, <laughs> I played a little forward in Princess Tomato uh -huh. one day, and I got uh, I got punished. I got grounded, I think. Ooh, going uh, ahead so. of family. 
said, "Who the hell touched the tomato?" They did. They said, "This is that, that's a, that's a breach of the family trust, and we can't <laughs> this tomato." So you know, wow. you're learning life lessons from your video games as well. Life lessons, man. I love it. Now you said the niche stuff. You mentioned uh, also a uh, 3DO. Uh, what's your experience? Yeah. We have some, we have a lot of 3DO fans. Shout out to uh, Lord Bill Stillwell. Shout out yes. to uh, Lord uh, from Microsoft's uh, back compatibility team, as well as uh, Lord John Linneman and. Uh, sure. We have a bunch of 3DO fans. So tell us about your experience about the Panasonic Interactive Real Player. Remember that? Well, I, I love the 3DO. So as you uh, as you said in my introduction, one of the things I'm really excited about right now is Star Control Origins. Yes. And mm-hmm. my my favorite game of all time uh, is mm. a game called Star Control Two. Mm. And the place where I was introduced to that game was on the was on the 3DO. Um, and and I played that game. At this point in time, playing it now in emulated form on the PC, I've probably played that game two dozen times. Yes. Um, and and that is absolutely fantastic. The 3DO, like the TurboGrafx uh, mm-hmm. CD, like the CDI, at mm-hmm. that point in time in the 90s, mm-hmm. were some of the only places where you could really get really good, at the time, mm-hmm. full motion video, yes. sound, orchestration. Yes. yes. And it just blew us away. I, I mean, I remember sitting there, again, with my father and my brother, Playing Eastbook One and Two on the on, on the Turbo Graphics and having these anime cutscenes start out the game with this rock yes. music. Woo! The music was incredible. But I just heard you say Philip CDI. Did you play that crappy Zelda? Did you play it? <laughs> I, I, I did. Yeah, I, I two owned that Zelda. <laughs> My parents owned that Zelda. I played that Zelda CDI. Um, I, you know, we got that primarily for at I think at launch of that system there was a uh, a golf game. And yeah. this golf game had essentially uh, treatment of the, the golfing like it was on TV. They had uh-huh. the announcers for really the first kind of uh, very significant announcing. They had full motion video golfers kind of putting and then say, ooh, just missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my dad absolutely adored that. Yeah, that was the biggest deal. They had little chirons that came up that showed it exactly like on TV. And, mm-hmm. and we were just in love with that. So that's. I don't have as many memories of the CDI as I do the 3DO. 3DO, I was playing Road Rash. Uh, there was a, there was a, yeah, a game music. on the 3DO I really loved that had kind of Way four of the half times. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Star Control on the 3DO. There was mm-hmm. a there was a, a game show game called Twisted that I played. That, was, nice. that was so good. Twisted was so there you go. good. Yeah. You what go. about what about what about me and you've talked about this on Twitter? What about Alone in the Dark? Did you have the 3DO version? I played. My recollection is I played Alone in the Dark on the PC. Okay. Okay. Um, but I, I loved Alone in the Dark. Uh, that's obviously the predecessor, really, to what Resident Evil took over for, for a, a period of time. Talk that talk over. Um, mm-hmm. but, but Alone in the Dark was a was a good time. That's one of those where it's yes, this is a good idea, maybe not fully realized. Resident right. Evil comes in and says, "Let's throw some money at it," yes. and you know, Resident Evil is is the classic. Absolutely. Um, and so I, I think it's always interesting to pull those uh, mm-hmm. threads apart and take a look at where the ideas came from because video gaming is still so terribly young compared yeah. to most industries that we would otherwise talk about or look at. Mm-hmm. And so you can still see, oh, here's how we solved for uh, first-person shooters and consoles, and here's the great idea that Halo had, and mm-hmm. here's the great uh-huh. idea that Call of Duty strapped onto it. Mm-hmm. And here's what Alone in the Dark did, and here's what Resident Evil did, and, and here's how we got from X to Y. And mm. I think that's so cool. And mm-hmm. I still have a great deal of fun looking at those things. I, I do think that as we've 
kind of uh, promoted high textures and big expensive things. We've lost some of that uh, nuance and kind of interesting game design at kind of the higher levels, mm -hmm. the double A's maybe, uh, if not the triple A's. Mm -hmm. and, but I'm, I, I like playing the, the indie games and some of the other kind of independent developers uh, takes on these things because I, I love them, but I don't want everything to be a first person shooter or a third person. Agree, agree, right. completely agree. And shout out to the chat, man. Sam told me he said, Shout out to THQ Nord Nordic for purchasing the Alone in the Dark IP. A lot of Alone in the Dark fans, a lot of people loving these memories you're talking about. Lord sure. Ho. Um, now I want to ask you I know you, you, you glanced over it as far as a lot of our chat and our lords they know you from easy allies they, yeah. they help us out whole series so i know you, you did briefly touch on it but like how did that link up really come to, um, to be and then also i want to shout out the lord brandon jones kyle boltzman and those guys they, they do a fantastic job so they like how, how did that happen where you now are added into like a gaming podcast to be asked legal advice about you know how things work how did that whole thing really come to be well, as you know, Easy Allies is a, is Patreon supported, um, mm -hmm. and they had a uh, podcast sponsorship open up in uh, February of 2017 when I was looking at, I've got this budget of marketing and how do I want to spend it? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I really liked about them in particular, and I told this to them, is their uh, focus on being positive, mm -hmm. uh, not to the exclusion of everything else, but really on a focus on... What you know? What can we take as a silver lining? What can we take about positivity here? Primarily because a lot of the the games media, in my experience, reading mm -hmm. them, watching them, has mm -hmm. kind of developed a certain level of cynical, ironic snark, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's fine. Uh, but I'm a I, I tend to be a more earnest guy. You can tell from these discussions of my uh, my past. I love this stuff um, mm -hmm. at a kind of very fundamental level. And the easy allies really spoke to me in the way that they were talking about things. Nice. Uh, and then a friend of mine forwarded to me the trial of Kyle Bosman, mm. where instead of just being a comedy skit, they actually had, I don't know if you remember this video or saw this, mm -hmm. but you know, they had Bloodworth. They had some other folks come out and actually talk about things like good faith and fair dealing in mm -hmm. contract terms and whether there was proper contract negotiation and language in there. Mm -hmm. And I, they, these were my people. They were, uh, they Spoken. were and technical in a way that I really enjoyed. Nice. And so I said, all right, let's put some money down and, and see what gets us. That's um, and, uh, I've gotten clients from that sponsorship. Um, <laughs> nice. I've obviously, wow. I've obviously gotten, uh, to know some of the guys. Uh, and I, I think sometime in July of last year, there was some stuff happening. There were some studio closures. There was a visceral, uh, there was EA dealing with some things. And mm -hmm. I had tweeted out and I had tweeted to, to Kyle and I think to Brandon, mm -hmm. I said, well, you know, some of this is being motivated by corporate structuring that we're mm -hmm. looking at games as a service, making so much more money than single player. Mm -hmm. And EA mm -hmm. always jumps on this life raft. And some of this is about fiduciary duties, which is now right. a catchphrase over at Easy Allies. Right. But um, do you want to talk about that at all? And, and mm -hmm. Kyle said, yeah, let's, let's talk about fan games. Let's talk about fiduciary duties. Let's, let's do that. Mm -hmm. And eventually, you know, when, I was the, when, when they asked me questions and I was submitting stuff for the fifth time, the sixth time, the seventh time, that just became a thing that uh, people liked. And then Kyle mm -hmm. emailed me and said, you know, they were getting a lot of positive feedback nice. about those segments. And did I want to do more? Mm -hmm. um, and there might be some stuff in the offing. Um, the, mm -hmm. the allies are very busy guys. So they're always um, coming up with new stuff. But mm -hmm. uh, there, there should be potentially something on the horizon for that. 
Okay, all right. So not only was uh, help us out, Hogue born, we got more stuff cooking. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, yeah, I think that's fair to say. You know, who knows? That, that could be three years down the pipe. But uh, yes, it is fair to say we've got stuff cooking. Nice. Salute to Easy Allies and those guys. Fantastic job. So, um, yeah, man, you, you, another, another catch uh, phrase for you guys, for your firm in particular, obviously, <laughs> is the big firm lawyer with small firm approach. Yeah. So to for us layman legal lords, right, what's the difference between like the big firm versus small firm mentality? And then I want you to also, if you can tie in what aspects you have an impact on, what aspects of the legal side of the gaming industry that maybe gamers don't truly understand. So two part question. Sure. Well, I mean, I think that the big firm lawyer comes from my background. Um, okay. You know, when as part of marketing, as part of telling people, hey, yes, I'm a guy that uses, uh, you know, virtual services and, and, and uses virtual networking and can take my laptop around. And so I don't necessarily have the hardwood floors and the fancy office and the and the, the hundred person uh, secretarial staff, mm -hmm. uh, but that you're not going to get uh, a lesser service for that. I was yeah, trained right. there. I went to a top 10 law school. I graduated at the top 1% of my class. That's right. Talk I, about I it. worked there for 13 years. I learned mergers and acquisitions, venture capital. I have mm -hmm. all the pieces that you need. That being said, if you're concerned about being treated as a number or being treated in a way that, hey, if I can only pay you $10,000 instead of $100,000, you're going to treat me less than, mm -hmm. that's not going to happen here. Respect. Um, I, Respect. I, I'm focused... Uh, like Jerry Maguire in the first act on mm -hmm. fewer clients, less money, personal service. Let's okay. get you to a place where you're getting the legal service you need and not breaking the bank and nice. not scuttling the ship while you're trying to launch it. Nice. That's really what I mean by big firm lawyer, small firm approach mm -hmm. is I'm going to know your name. We're going to have in-depth talks. I oh. meet with clients for coffee, the, not build. We just talk for an hour, nice. have those conversations and get them to a place where they feel comfortable mm -hmm. in the business side of things with the legal mm -hmm. contracts where they wouldn't otherwise feel comfortable. That's because I'm talking to geniuses. You know, I'm talking to neuroscientists mm -hmm. and rocket mm -hmm. scientists and people developing cures for cancer and things like that. Mm -hmm. But they don't know how a capitalization table works or what your shareholdings should look like or what a pre-money mm -hmm. valuation is compared to a Series mm -hmm. A liquidation preference. And I can give that to them and mm. we can try not to break the bank while we do that. That's what's up. Very honorable, Lord Hogue. Respect it. Now, what and was this, the second part? That this, was big for uh, the yeah. second part was gaming. Yeah, the second oh, one game. Uh, and what yeah, I mean, you get a little bit of that to help us out, Hogue. I and and I think in your introduction, you kind of uh, hinted at it, which is, <laughs> you know, I have people on Twitter or people on Google calling me a corporatist or capitalist scum. Yes. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I hate sometimes, Hogue. I see those tweets. <laughs> I know. I mean, you could. Yeah. So what I try to do is I try to go out there and say, all right, so this thing is happening. Telltale's closing. Visceral's closing. X, Y, and Z is happening with contracts. Here's what it means when THQ Nordic buys Amalur out of a bankruptcy estate. Mm -hmm. um, to try to give people a little bit more factual uh, understanding of the structure behind the gaming industry or any other industry you want to talk about so that, yeah, you can be mad about things that are deserving of being mad about, but maybe not as mad about things that are kind of natural in the way these things probably have to play out structurally. So I'm not trying to take away anybody saying Telltale treated those people wrongly, for instance. Mm -hmm. We're going to get into but that. I am trying to explain what it means to be insolvent, what it means mm -hmm. to not have enough money to pay the creditors who you do have a contractual relationship with, mm -hmm. and what kind of box the telltale management was in mm. under the under the rules of law. And you could say, mm -hmm. Rick, those laws are stupid. And I could say, okay, we can have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But, 
but but let's have that conversation and not jump immediately to <clears throat> these are evil capitalist swine that we need <clears throat> to put Palpatine pictures on. <laughs> you hear that, addict? Addict's on that side. Well, I, hey, I, I don't mind it. I like having these conversations. I, I like my wife gets upset at Twitter because she doesn't like people being mean to me. Right. And I, 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 I look at that and I say, I love being challenged. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry, uh, Lord Ho. What did you just say, Carpenter? <laughs> I gotta throw I'll, you under I'll the let bus. you guys sort this out. Let, we, let us sort this out. I gotta throw Attic under the bus because he represents. He's the youngest lord on the panel, and I love him. And, and the thing about it, he represents like I don't say he always votes on the side of the consumer and doesn't understand the corporation side at all. I'm not saying that, but there's sometimes he definitely immediately assumes that he, it's some evil thing going on <laughs> in the background. There's a, little, there's a little I'm bit of a you to pull up receipts there. and tell me occasionally <laughs> I did this. I shall not pull up any receipts right now. Well, hey, like I said, he wouldn't be the first person to call me an evil corporatist swine. So it's like, <laughs> I love no, I had to just tease uh, Attic a little bit. No, but, absolutely. No, and, and that, but but that's really when mm -hmm. when we talk about help us out, Hogan Easy Allies. When we talk about my Twitter uh, feed at uh, Hoglaw, by the way, uh, it's Fuck one out. of those things where I have this background, I, I have this education and this experience, and I just want to talk about that. I'm not trying to put judgments on how anybody feels about anything absolutely. other than to say, hey, if you feel this way for this reason, and that reason maybe isn't true or doesn't exist, let's mm -hmm. talk about that because I think it's a misunderstanding. <laughs> well, be, be, being that you brought this up, um, let to get into a little. Now I won't even call this controversy. This, I, 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 I consider is this where we talk about the Kavanaugh hearings for two hours. No, this is not <laughs> where we talk about the Kavanaugh hearings. <laughs> but I, I want to shout out a good friend to the to the roundtable. He's been on the show. Uh, MPD's own Lord Matt Piscatella. Yeah. And um, what I we'll I'm gonna do it a little bit. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> it's you mentioned that. Uh, so uh, pretty much, you know, I remember this was a while back. And you guys have had some interesting Twitter banter, I feel, back and forth over the years. So one of the conversations I want to focus on particularly that caught my attention was like the whole terminology of game developer. Do you remember this conversation, Lord Hope? Uh, yes. If I not, I can refresh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, what I recall was um, there was a gentleman, I'm not going to name his name, but he was on Twitter, and you know, pretty, pretty much he made a statement that said, like, people that are game dev devs, so he's like designer, artist, programmer, you know, HR, community managers, etc. He had a long list, and um, I believe uh, you chimed in, <laughs> and then you basically- I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you was like, you know, look, everyone that puts work into something, you know, and I quote, you said, it, it joys deserve, they deserve credit. Absolutely. He said, that said, words must convey meaning to be useful and no one intends to refer to HR, business development, marketing, or cafeteria staff when using the term developer. Then I believe uh, Matt Piscatella jumped in and he said, look, you know, an independent game developer must write program QA market etc and yet they still call themselves devs and then I felt you had the funniest comeback of the night you said <laughs> sure anyone that directly develops a game rather than infrastructure is a developer regardless of whether they also sweep the floors but if your only role is sweeping the floors yes you help facilitate the game's creation but you didn't in any real way develop <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you guys continue to go back and forth and then you kind of came to resolution but 
I just wanted to ask you about wait, wait, was this really an argument? Oh, yes, yeah, it was yeah, asking. Yeah, they yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. Lit. I was at I was eating food. I was just tuning in because these are my guys. I, I like Hogue, I like Piscatella, and I've seen a couple of times. So I just wanted to, you to clarify that your whole position on developer, not to sure, really bring yeah. beef, but just the whole developer thing. Well, you know, the one thing I never quite got on on this was, uh, you know, uh, it was it was Rami from Vlambeer comes yeah. out and says this, that all these people are game developers. I, I, I feel I still feel like something precipitated that I wasn't mm -hmm. part of that conversation. Right. So I do still feel like I stepped into some kind of uh, discussion, probably yes. about unionization or something along those mm -hmm. lines. You are correct. But, it was Rami. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, my position is you can't just say an independent game developer does all these things and you can't take that away because they do these other things. That's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother and I, you know, did uh, iPhone apps for a couple mm -hmm. years that I'm very proud of. And right. that's everything. You do everything involved with that process. Mm -hmm. But part of that is you did the writing and the programming and the developing of the game as mm -hmm. well as figuring out how to keep the lights on and, and, and you know, dusting the place. Right. Um, my point was that uh, if we're going to talk about who a game developer is, we just need to be careful that we're not including people that are useful to a, any corporate structure, but not in particular the development of the game. Um, and, and somebody I think came on later and said, well, we usually refer to it as companies. And that's, yeah. that's true, that's fine. Right. Um, when you say X company is a developer, I have no problem with that. Mm -hmm. But if you say somebody, the, the, the really the closest gray area for me personally is when you talk about HR, at a major software house, they're mostly in, they're mostly hiring mm -hmm. and firing and coordinating disputes. Um, did that person develop product X? And I would say no, for the most part. Mm -hmm. And I think that might be where we have a disagreement. Right. Uh, but I don't mind Matt at all. Matt comes hard, and he likes to be very strident in what he says. <laughs> and I got no problem with that because I like to do that too. Yeah. No, I thought it was cool. And, and like I said, one thing about you guys, and, and Matt doubled down on his thing. He just he just wanted to, I wanted to protect back in the sense that, you know, he just was talking about as far as gatekeeping the term. And one thing that I like that you guys do, even though you may bump head, you guys do come to kind of like a, a reasonable understanding so that, you know, even if you're still on that side of the fence, it's, it's respectable. Oh, and I, I, I do like that about you, too. You guys can have respectable disagreements. So I thought I just thought that was I remember it like the back of my hand. And I was just like, wow, <laughs> that's just funny. This is hilarious. They're going in. You, know? so you started this. You started that, and I thought for sure you were going to pull up some of my Polygon or Kotaku. Oh, no, no. I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't do that to you. I, but, I would only you know, do that. Whew, that's stepping in it. That, that that's some fun stuff on Twitter. Oh yeah, I know about those too. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. So uh, another thing you, that you actually special in, specialize in at uh, at Hogue Law is obviously what your firm is mergers and acquisitions, right? Yeah, I so, do a lot of them. Right. So with the recent studio acquisitions by Microsoft, they, you know, they got, they required Undead Labs, yes. Ninja Theory, and now the rumors of another Microsoft acquisition being revealed at this newly announced, uh, possibly being revealed, this newly announced XO18 Phantom. Okay. I wanted your input on the process of how like gaming acquisitions get done or just the input on the length of time to complete. Because we see Microsoft just, oh, I call sure. the infinity gauntlet moment. They're just snatching up all the <laughs> gems. And like, how is this done? Like, how, how far is the time? Just give us some input on how that whole process is. Sure. Well, um, mm -hmm. part of that's going to depend on whether the company is shopping itself or whether mm -hmm. it just gets a call out of the blue. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of my clients uh, essentially mm -hmm. decide, they look at their numbers, they look at what it takes to grow. It looks They look at where their current lives are and say, hey, I think we'd like to figure out what this thing might 
might get us if we if we sold it right now. Right. And we say, okay, let's look at what a term sheet would look like. And a term sheet is a shorter document between one and 10 pages that says, here's what this sale will look like. And let's talk to people about whether that's attractive and what that number should be, that top line X million dollars, and uh, see if there's anybody that's biting. Mm -hmm. uh, I just finished the sale of a, of a company this last week that that was the process. Uh, yeah. Give you some kind of context of what the timing for that was. Mm -hmm. uh, we went out with term sheets in about May, okay. and like I said, we closed last week. Wow! Okay. So this yeah. is so this is a process. You're talking what June, July, August. Wow! You're talking like at least like what, eight to nine months. This this takes time. Well, that's that why Microsoft long. couldn't say uh, the other studios. They they talked about only the studios that the ink was dry on, and mm -hmm. it was other studios that they're in acquisitions and conversations about sure. that they can't talk about. So. No, they shouldn't. And and that ink dry is interesting. So there's two ways to essentially close these deals. You can close them as a sign and close, meaning when that ink dries, when you sign that document, the company is yours. Or you can sign them as a sign and then close, which is you look at like uh, the Disney Fox acquisition. Right. Fox is not owned by Disney right this second. Right. But they've announced it. They've right. signed the deal. It's been approved by the shareholders. It's done. Except for when you sign and then close, there's a list of things that have to happen. The mm -hmm. government has to approve X. Our yes. third-party contractors have to approve the assignment of the contracts if that's what's happening in the deal. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to get approval from X board, Y board, and Z board. Mm -hmm. And and so you have this process where you've got Fox and Disney signed up to something. And I, I, my bet would be that they will close that deal sometime in the first or second quarter of next year. Because okay. you just have to I had a question for you with that. Since you brought up that exactly, that that's yeah, I want to get into that too. Mm -hmm. Um okay, I, I just saw that uh Disney and Fox agreed to sell Comcast uh Sky Network. The Sky, yeah. Right. So and and the whole big structure, Disney actually was going after Fox because of the assets that they had in uh Sky Network and they wanted to assets. use yeah, I, the I, entertainment, I, right. Yeah, I would so, characterize the Fox assets as entertainment and news. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and Disney wasn't as interested in the news side. They would have. They would have been fine. Disney's a, a megalith and would buy everything they could if they want, you know, if they were able to. But they that wasn't what was driving the value proposition for them. They're still basically right. funding the content creation for Disney streaming. Mm -hmm. Um and right. so yes. so what what happened is they went in. I I believe Comcast and Fox, Fox still being its own shell, bid right. on the remainder of Sky. That was an auction that happened either this last week or two weeks ago. Right. And Fox lost, as they were always going to, because Comcast had this big pile of money that they right. didn't spend buying Fox. Yeah, the Comcast $40 million. Bought, bought the remainder I mean, of Sky. I mean, $40 billion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Comcast yeah. bought the remainder of Sky, and then they probably did that with phone calls and an understanding that because neither Disney nor Comcast wants half of Sky or whatever those percentages were, that Disney would have Fox sell the remainder to Comcast and they'd essentially bifurcate completely. So, but you see in that kind of relationship that Disney is still essentially making those decisions, running Fox and Fox is saying, okay, since we're gonna be part of the Disney family, we can give up this Sky piece to Comcast and Comcast can have this whole asset so that they're happy. Now, now, this is my question, right? Yeah. Now, seeing that happen, who does the forty billion go to? Because if, like you said, um, they're waiting for the accusi the the you know the the X's and O's to be checked off on the boxes, uh, yeah. for the Fox thing to go through, like you know the government and everything saying that's okay. Um, 
the question is where did that who does the 40 billion go to with the acquisitions of um sky because well, it's actually being purchased by from fox right but disney actually owns fox now so that's well, that was so my they, question they don't own fox now they have a signed deal to own fox right so what will happen is fox will take this asset and they will exchange it for a sack of money that is 40 billion dollars and then they will uh and then the shareholders will have that asset and then it depends on what the asset uh i'm sorry what the stock purchase agreement between fox and disney says so there could mm -hmm. be an adjustment for excessive cash that would otherwise be sitting in the company um or there could be some kind of dispersal uh mechanism that would have that money go out to the existing fox shareholders before they sell probably not that because the disney fox sales price is already set Right. So they're going to buy Fox at this set sales price, and that included a Sky asset that has been essentially converted into a sack of money. Mm -hmm. So chances are they can't distribute that, but I don't want to say for sure because that would be part of the agreement. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Oh. Actually, um, I want to get into the chat because uh, Lord Sam Tobert had a fantastic question. He said, uh, he, uh, Lord Hogue, he said, at what point does a video game studio acquisition is a letter of intent filed, and can you break that process down? Sure. So a, a letter of intent for not just a video game company, but anybody else is uh, is largely a non-binding document. What a letter of intent says is here is how the definitive agreements will look. And the reason we do this process is so that we can agree on the major issues that if we didn't have agreement on, we shouldn't pay the lawyers 50 grand to draft these documents. Mm -hmm. So a letter of intent will say the top line price is $50 million. Here are the employees that we're going to hire after the acquisition takes place. Here is the bonus plan that they're going to have. Here are the promises that you have to make about the company when we buy it. And here's how the documentation is going to look. That's a very short way of describing it. Uh, but that's what, it, what, what happens. And then what's a binding part of the letter of intent is generally exclusivity and confidentiality. Mm. So, so you have a, a letter of intent. Here's our top line stuff. Once you sign this, the lawyers can get going. Mm -hmm. It's non-binding. We haven't mm -hmm. sold you the company yet until we have these definitive documents. But mm -hmm. what is binding is you won't tell anybody about what these terms are mm -hmm. and you won't try to sell the company out from under us to someone else during a 60 day period from after when we sign this. Gotcha. So that letter of intent doesn't get filed. It doesn't go to a state agency. It doesn't do any of those things, mm -hmm. but it is a, a contract that binds you to be quiet about it and to not mm. talk to other people. So when you see, sometimes things get leaked out where somebody has cut off discussions. They were discussing with a bunch of people and they've cut off three of them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the business journalist says, we think they signed a letter of intent with X mm -hmm. um, and, and that can happen. Uh, so that's really the letter of intent process. It's the first step to say, we are agreed in principle to selling you the company for X amount of dollars. And now we can pay the lawyers. They're obviously exorbitant fees to document this thing. Uh, and and we, we don't feel too bad about it. Um, that's really what a term sheet is. So it's pretty much like opening negotiations and you're gonna be talking to me if you sign this, no one else. Right, so yeah. So, so the, the letter of intent is really those bullet points of if all of this works out, we assume the lawyers can sort out the rest if this, if these six bullet points are true, then we're willing to sell you the company, and so we will sign on the on the dotted line for starting this process. Mm -hmm. 
Sounds good. I got it. You got my mind going now because um, I'm hearing all this exclusivity and letter of intent. Sure. And lawyers. You, you knew exactly. Lawyer talk. Now, you know, Law Cognito is a huge Destiny fan. And one question that always been in the back of my mind was the relationship between Sony and Activision slash Bungie on exclusivity. Now, we do know that they have, um, you know, the, the rights to the maps and you see some exclusive map, exclusive exotic. That's generally how the format goes whenever a new Destiny expansion comes out or a new title comes out. Now, there was one specific time where protocol, I would say, was kind of broken because prior to that point, prior to the Taken King, right? Uh, usually a full year, calendar year would go past, and then the Xbox would be allowed to have those exclusive items as far as DLC is concerned, right? Or as far, I mean, as far as, um, uh, you know, exotics or whatever the, the maps were that were exclusive to PlayStation. Right. And, and one time during when the Taken King launched, the actual exotics didn't come or the map, exclusive maps didn't come to Xbox. And when questioned, Bungie was questioned by it, they kind of dodged it, but they, they kind of just said, you know, it, it's really still up to, you know, Activision or Sony or whatever. They kind of dodged it. So my question to you is, would kind of, these kind of agreements, these exclusive agreements in video games, you know, I've never seen a situation like Destiny's where the length of time is the length of time, which is a year. Usually content yeah. maps are like a couple of months, maybe, but I've never seen this before. And then how is it possible that they were able to change the nature of that agreement when previously it was a year? Is that a fluid situation that can always be edited? So this is all speculation. Tweets, not legal advice. It's Let's go. Hashtag. 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 Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, in, in all likelihood, it's a continuing marketing arrangement. Mm -hmm. um, so Destiny, uh, really Activision, gets a marketing combination with Sony. So you see those. Uh, Sony probably pays for some of those ad spots uh, mm. with the Sony PlayStation uh, uh, bullet thing on at the end. Destiny gets put in those uh, Sony Marketplace old guy uh, commercials, mm -hmm. uh, and and they get to have a place at the E3 press conference. They get talked uh, about that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And as part and parcel to that, as a quid pro quo. Activision has to give something back. So Activision mm. can pay cash money. Activision mm -hmm. can make content. Activision can make that content exclusive for a period of time. Mm -hmm. And chances are mm -hmm. the way this works is each new piece of content has an addendum uh, or another agreement where they say mm. this is what this is what this exclusivity will look like. This is what this arrangement will look like. Mm -hmm. So for uh, I, I for, I'm forgetting the tiny two DLCs at the beginning of Destiny, but, but uh, Pre-Taken King. Yeah, Pre-Taken King, Dark Below, and House of Wolves. There, yeah. uh, so for those, they might have said, okay, the PlayStation will have a, a gun. The gun will be for three months, uh, and then it'll be on Xbox or whatever that time frame was. And then when mm -hmm. Taken King comes out, it'll be forever. It'll be for a year, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. That <laughs> it comes out for every piece of content. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really just a matter of, what I tell people is, especially commercially, you yeah. can contract for whatever you want. So mm. if Activision wants to say, we'll make this and it'll never be on any other system uh, elsewise, basically the way that negotiation works is you got to make it worth our while, Sony. Mm. And then Sony says, all right, how about two E3s and uh, $6 million worth of commercials and mm. treatment uh, in a package with a PlayStation 4? Mm -hmm. and a uh, prominent position on our uh, PlayStation stage. store for six mm -hmm. months. And, and gotcha. you just 
you know, you think about when you're playing Madden and you're putting the sliders and trying to get the trade negotiations just right. That's mm -hmm. what a contract negotiation is. Is is that enough? No, I want this too. Is that enough? No, I want this too. And it can be anything. And sometimes mm. that's going to be three months. Sometimes that's going to be a year. Sometimes that's going to be forever. You know, gotcha. I've never even considered. Mm -hmm. You saw that with Rise of the Tomb Raider, right? Um, right. Where when something is already multi-plat and then mm -hmm. it's not suddenly, it looks like stealing rather than creation. So, <laughs> so those, those companies have gotten That's better so at, even if it is stealing, making it look like creation. Mm. Um, so, so, just, got, so Sony's gotten better at being like, well, we're not mm -hmm. sure this content would have existed without this marketing plan. And you say, mm -hmm. yeah, maybe not. <laughs> mm, interesting. So again, just to be clear, this is, in, in the Destiny situation, the relationship is between Activision and Sony. Is, yep. is, is, is there any liability to Bungie? Because a lot of people attack Bungie directly and say, you guys are holding content. Are they they not responsible, so to speak? Is it between those I two I suspect entities? not. Uh, I mean, you, we could look at the lawsuits from way back when, but in general, a publisher that has that kind of exclusive right to publish Mm -hmm. has an exclusive right to market that that you what you're doing is you're getting this set amount of money to hit milestones to develop to pay your people that's mm -hmm. that's activision to bungie mm -hmm. and in exchange bungie's giving to activision certain rights both in royalties and in revenue and also mm -hmm. rights to to market the thing as it so chooses that's why again using the rise of the tomb raider example when that happened you mm -hmm. had uh, essentially crystal dynamics say hey man we don't know what square enix is doing stop stop texting us <laughs> Fair enough. Wow. Thank you for the clarity. I've always wanted to know that. I always and you know good, good at it. Ever since I didn't even really like I know I never really thought about how they can use E3 as a leverage. I mean, obviously that's a set stage. They have a lot of people. I never thought and that could be a huge key that people that you know these these platform holders can use because there's a lot of people that watch E3 and that's worth a lot of money. I mean, look look what happened with um, um, what what was the the game that Sony did the the Kickstarter thing on Shimu? Oh, yeah, Shimu. Yeah. Like just because because that was shown on the stage, it was funded before E3 was even over. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, it's valuable. The the really interesting thing about those kind of relationships is oftentimes when you're talking about contracts, you've got value running one way and mm. you see the other side kind of pay for it with money or, or exclusivity. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> with these, with the video game industries, one of the really awesome and fascinating things about it from a contract law perspective is, yes, at the same time that it's useful for Destiny to be on Sony's stage, it's useful for Sony to have Destiny on its stage. Right. So it's, it's really this kind of interesting... Yes, you probably do owe us some money. We should figure out how to do this exclusivity, but it's not like we're not getting a benefit from having you exclusively on our stage. So it's really an interesting kind of back and forth there. That, a good example of that would be like CD Projekt Red with uh, Cyberpunk. Like, sure, we want to you know show our game, but let's be real, we don't need you, Microsoft. We're getting right. something out of this in return. <laughs> Right, and they got what they got was an absolutely awesome finale to that E3 show with the hat. Yeah. That, was, that was pretty yeah. cool. That was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, it's so interesting to see how this stuff works, man. I, I think this is awesome. Thank you for answering this question. Sure. I want to finish up the uh, the Q and A with the Lords. If the Lords want to jump in, Lord Sob, I, I don't know, maybe you had a couple uh, questions. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, I know we talked about this last week, but I would definitely like to talk about uh, a little more in depth on the Telltale stuff. Yeah. Um, my, I know you've had some discourse on Twitter o o over this with people who feel like, you know, obviously that 
the, the former employees need to be taken care of above and beyond everything else. And then you, you took it from uh, the law side of, of how they, you know, explaining solvency and, and the fact that they need to they need to take care of people that are contractually obligated to take care of before yeah. they even consider anything like that. But my question to you is, as somebody who has an interest on both ends of this, as a gamer who who obviously plays these games and wants and wants these companies to be successful. What do you think is a is is a middle ground for this sort of stuff? Like where what has to happen in the gaming industry so that these developers are taken care of and the business side is also taken care of and everything everyone is able to move forward and and, and sort of benefit from this? Is is unionization an answer? Because I know a lot of corners of the internet are talking about that sort of stuff. Like this needs to happen so that closures like this don't happen. How people are taken care of people if there are closures people have severance, things like that. So as somebody who's sort of vested on both sides, what do you think is a possible solution to this sort of stuff? Well, I think the starting point for that would be to to, to say, Telltale was absolutely mismanaged. Right. Uh, you know, I do a mm. lot of talking on Twitter uh, and I do a lot of talking in law with tweets, not legal advice and couching <laughs> it in saying, maybe they weren't, or maybe this, or perhaps mm. that. Telltale was mismanaged. Mm. Um, they took what would have been a, a business model and they spent too much money and realized not enough revenues and, and they went down. Mm -hmm. um, even talking about what happened in the last couple of weeks, it was clear that they needed an external financial uh, influx in order to keep the, keep the boat floating. And when that failed, they went under. Mm -hmm. um, so starting there, they, they were mismanaged. In terms mm -hmm. of unionization, and I, I you know, I, I tweeted a little bit about this uh, with yes, you Jason did. at Kotaku and some other people. <laughs> get yes, this. you people, did. This line and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I think unions are absolutely fine if, mm. if, if people want to join them. I mm. think we should be clear to what they do and what they don't do. Mm. And what they wouldn't solve is a failed business model. Mm. Um, Telltale not making enough money on what it sells mm. would not have lasted longer or been better off by increasing its labor costs by 30% or 50% or whatever. Right. Uh, and I think that's clear enough when I say it like that. Mm -hmm. um, what you see in the tweet response, what you see in the internet responses is, is, well, maybe these folks shouldn't have had that job then if they're not getting severance and they're working these long hours and they would have been better off if Telltale did go under two years ago or if they would have had to deal with this union. And I can't tell them they're wrong. Right. What I can tell them from my perspective is that I am very uncomfortable telling people what they should be willing to work for and at what rate. Mm. Um, so I, if they want to join a union, great. If they want to kill themselves for X amount of dollars because that's what they want to do, I think they should be allowed to. And that's mm -hmm. where I sometimes... Um, we miss each other on the internet and, and online because yeah. ultimately what a forced union is mm -hmm. and, and what forced severance are mm -hmm. is this statement from afar mm -hmm. that says, we know better than you how to protect yourselves. And so you should not be permitted to work at this rate of dollars or without this protection because we don't think you know what you're doing. <laughs> um, right. And I think that that's interesting. I don't like that from philosophically from, mm -hmm. from a legal standpoint, but I can understand why people want to get there. They want these people protected and I'm empathetic to that. Um, mm -hmm. And I think instead of saying X, Y, or Z should happen, what I would like to take from the telltale situation is to say, mm -hmm. 
no, these people didn't get severance. Mm -hmm. um, and that's very uh, risky. That's a, that's a big problem living in the San Francisco's of the world. If you're just gone tomorrow and you don't get any severance. So let's make sure people know what it is that they've contracted for. What is the deal? that when you sign an at-will employment contract, which is 95% of all contracts in America, something along those lines, right. that this is what it looks like. And if you're not comfortable with that, you ask for more money so you can put it in a nest egg, or you ask for a severance provision in your contract. And people need to know what it is that they've agreed to so that they can better protect themselves. Mm -hmm. And if they don't realize what they are risking, what they are exposed to, you never mm -hmm. have that conversation and you never have that negotiation. Mm -hmm. So from my perspective, I look at it and say, okay, this is bad, but rather than after the fact, let's have everybody wake up. And if this is important to these people, if this is important to these groups to say, mm -hmm. yeah, all right, let's ask for severance. Let's put that in the contracts right now. Mm -hmm. And okay, maybe the company, if it runs out of money, goes under three months early, but they get us that severance. Now mm. that's all That's all with the understanding that not only were they mismanaged, they really handled the firing the wrong way too. I'm not sure mm. what legal counsel they were getting. Uh, yeah, at the hold, time. hold that thought on the firing because right. we're definitely sure. going to hit that. I, I don't want to get too telltale heavy right now. Go ahead, Ken. Yeah, I, I have a question. Um, uh, can a parent company insulate themselves uh, from legal action by having the employees independent contractors? Uh, so California has some very specific definitions for an employee that's based primarily on hours instead of their, their standing. Um, right. but in general, uh, you don't need that particular insulation for the issue we're talking about right now because contractors and employees are both generally at will. Okay. So when you talk about the contractor employee distinction, it's usually more useful in avoiding unions, avoiding collective bargaining, and avoiding, in general, international regulations and regulations related specifically to employees under whatever state you're operating under. But for this particular purpose, which is should severance be owed, should WARN Act notice be given, employers, uh, employees and contractors are not that distinct. Okay, because yeah. I run two companies and um, yeah. Under both companies, uh, my employees are independent contractors. Sure. So uh, we give them, we facilitate the insurance and the stuff like that. We like steer them in the direction of who that they should have insurance with, but we, we do don't stuff, provide yeah. insurance for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And there's reasons to do that and, and recommendations for, for small companies and, and, and companies that are doing specific things are absolutely that independent contractors make more sense. It does expose people to certain risks that they wouldn't have necessarily under employment, but it can also get right. them more dollars in their pockets because you don't have that same kind of compliance issue. No, exactly. No, no. Why, so, why do you think, uh, real quick, like, why do you think there's a, there's this sort of divide between um, like highly skilled workers and not being more more so at, at, at will employees rather than like, le you know, lesser skilled in, in, in sort of like job types that are the ones that are being unionized is there something is is it the amount of um a competition there is at these higher levels that sort of makes these jobs be more at will and not be able to unionize these sort of positions like when you talk about like game developers very technical jobs well we're like talking yeah i mean we're talking about uh, essentially my thoughts on philosophy and why these things happen so obviously it's all speculative um but i would say in general unionization because of what it does which is it combines a, a big group of people into one collective bargaining unit mm -hmm. tends to work best for 
jobs and job types that are relatively interchangeable, that the people within the collective bargaining unit have very similar interests and are incentivized in the same way. Right. And when we talk about high-end artists, when we talk about high-end professionals, it tends to make less sense because we have various, we have very different skill sets and we're impacting the bottom line or the strategic structure of the company in very different ways. So maybe Bob and Susie shouldn't be treated in a similar collective bargaining unit because they do such different things and need to be motivated and incentivized and compensated in a different way for what they're achieving, mm. um, which is a long way of saying the history of America on unions has been that line workers are unionized and management is not for the most part. Right. And, mm -hmm. and that, and that stems from uh, that kind of interchangeability is too strong, but you, it, it, you can see where the biases are. They're more interchangeable than management is thought to be. Right. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Lord, do you have any uh, any questions you want to jump in and finish up the like Q and A? Yeah, I had a quick question about the Fortnite and a PUBG scenario. Woo! Um, when it comes to, I, I know there's a lot of uh, you know speculation when it comes to working in. I, I'm kind of curious when it comes to that in general on your you know professional opinion when it came to that particular case. Did you like, obviously you wouldn't know, you know, what's going on behind uh, those closed doors, but I'm just kind of curious on like what happened, like the reason that PUBG dropped it, because I feel like they wouldn't have started unless they thought they had something. Well, I mean, I did. I think there was a help us out Hogue on this. Yes. I, I will say um, the PUBG Fortnite claim, and I think that's Blue Hole versus Epic, yes. um, was an interesting one, primarily because PUBG was made with the Unreal Engine. So unlike other circumstances where, as you probably know from your copious listening to Help Us Out Hogue and reading of legal materials, mm -hmm. uh, you can't uh, protect an idea. So you mm -hmm. can't protect uh, by registering uh, the notion of a battle royale game. What you can protect is your personal expression of that. Um, right. And so... PUBG can't say you can't have circles, you can't come down from flying things, you can't do these things that Fortnite does. But what they could potentially say is, hey, Epic, you helped us work your Unreal Engine to do these 17 things that it couldn't otherwise do in order to make PUBG work. And as part of our license, there were probably some kind of confidentiality and intellectual property assignment provisions in that contract, and we think you breached them. Um, and I think that's what gets them in the door. That's what gets them started out uh, in having the conversation. I don't think they ever had the intestinal fortitude to bring it to completion. Uh, I think I think something like ninety nine percent of disputes don't wind up going through to to trial and resolution. Is it pretty they're, they're much like a bluff a lot of the times? People are trying to bluff. Yeah. What do you think the the intent is if they know they're not willing to go the old way? What what's the advantage of that? It's Probably. to present that way. I, I think bluff's a good word. Is to mm -hmm. say that I've got pocket aces. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm willing to take it down and, and mm -hmm. Epic says, no, you don't. Let's, let's do this. I call it. <laughs> <laughs> my pockets is big and my lawyers are strong. Yeah. Just trying to like, you know, come in, come in with that, that pocket ace and like, but if you get, if you settle out of court, then, you know, we won't have to go that direction. Do That's you right. We don't know. trying to pull that. Yeah, well, for a litigation, for the most part, especially if it's not a real significant one in terms of damaged dollars, mm -hmm. you know who makes the money in that? It's the lawyers. Right. You know, that, that you're, you're both, both sides paying the lawyers. But what I, I think I, what I said in that help us out, Hogue, was mm -hmm. 
one thing I could see was PUBG essentially trying to use it as leverage to lower the royalty on the Unreal Engine. You know, mm-hmm. Epic makes money on every sale of PUBG. Correct. Yeah. Quest, Correct. Question. One question. Okay, um, King. In that whole scenario, uh, can Bluehole be purchased by another company while in litigation against uh, um, Epic? Yeah, I mean, or I think would they or would they have to end that litigation before they can be purchased by another company? No. Okay, so did well, Microsoft ha- did they end the, the lawsuit so Microsoft could buy them? I don't know where he's going with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, they wouldn't have to from a legal mm-hmm. perspective. So one of the things that happens when you enter into a purchase agreement is there's a big section that we call representations and warranties, and that's just promises about the company. And one of those promises would be uh, we don't have any litigation, or if we do, here's what it is. We've disclosed it. Mm-hmm. And then there's a document called the disclosure schedule that puts down all the exceptions to the representations and warranties. And in that disclosure schedule would be, uh, yes, we're currently being sued by Epic. I think they cross sued on that. Uh, and we are currently suing, I, I believe, some other uh, Asian developers for, for copying PUBG. Mm-hmm. And those would all go on the disclosure schedule. And then Microsoft or whomever uh, would look at that <laughs> and take that under advisement when setting the indemnification provisions, when setting the purchase price, when setting the terms of the agreement to say, okay, no company's perfect. Here are the warts. And those warts are going to reduce your purchase price by $2 million so that we can hold it back in case something bad happens. Or we think that there's a possibility that you're going to gain assets this way. So we're going to give you a bump up on the purchase, but whatever it looks like, here's how your company is and will adjust in the money. Mm. Okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Wow. Uh, Any other questions? Because I was going to close up and then get into yeah, the Yeah, no, no. I yeah. mean, I just had to get to that part. No, no, because, no I wanted you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not I know you acquisition target. <laughs> I, I, uh, I want to, like, capitalize a little bit on what King David said. Now, mm-hmm. since they, you know, you said chances are they wouldn't have any kind of legal obligations to be in any kind of, you know, lawsuit. Yeah. Is there, uh, is from your personal perspective, have you seen companies that don't want to approach someone while they're currently in a lawsuit and they want to make sure that's cooled down before they even do it? I would say in general, um, acquirers would prefer more certainty rather than less. And a lawsuit is always going to be a variable. So in general, they might say, hey, wait till that gets sorted out. Apologies. And then we can say, <clears throat> what you're really worth. So they might say, hey, sort it out, settle it, whatever, and we can reevaluate. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. That was a possibility. First of all, salute to Lord Hulk for, for answering the questions in the realm. The chat was lit. Everyone's loving it, man. Lord Hulk dropping the, the gems today. So if anybody's having any questions, we'll get to the fun. So Lord Hulk, I know you are a man of legal and gaming respect. However, <laughs> I saw your top 10 list for games of 2018, mm-hmm. and we need to bring you to the front of the congregation, sir. This is my good friend, Lil. I, I love his tweets, man. I really, this is all good fun. So number one, you had Star Control Origins, which I have not played. I'm a Star Control fan, so I have to play it before I res- reserve judgment. But the fact that you have it number one speaks volumes. Way, way better than I thought it would be. Exactly. So I'm impressed. That I, I have to touch that. Number two, you have Spider-Man, which is to Lord King's happiness. I know he loves that. Three, you have Prince of Eternity. Four, Dead Cells. 
five a little questionable. Two point hospital. Two point I hospital. Love two point hospital. You guys get a chance to play that? I have not. That's why I, I cannot go in on you. I have cannot. you played Team Hospital from Bullfrog back in the day? I have not. I've never played a hospital game. And it's sad because I believe this is two point. Is that the Sega made one? Isn't that Sega made? Oh, publisher? Uh, yes, Sega is yes. publisher. Two point yes. is developer. And I had my eye on it and it looked interesting. So I have to give it a shot. So I cannot go in on anything I have not played. Okay. Number six, God of War. Fantastic. And then we get to number seven. What did I put in seven? I don't even this know. This is what I have the issue. You had the Nintendo Labo product line. All right. <laughs> All right. So, so I need a full explanation on this, Lord. Sure. I will give you a full explanation. I have two daughters that want to be scientists. There we go. Um, that, that's, that's really the extent of my explanation. I, um, <laughs> I'm a guy that loved Epcot Center. Okay. I'm a guy that loves edutainment. Okay. Um, and the, the process of putting these things together, uh, getting them put together. And then I, I don't know if you guys have, um, partaken in Labo yourselves, but mm -hmm. part of what they do with those is how does this whole thing work? What's the science behind it? Mm -hmm. How do these levers work? Simple machines. How do the, uh, infrared sensors work? Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that is just absolutely fantastic. It and works because Nintendo got like, on the market. They're practicting witchcraft or something over there to make that. <laughs> I, I think he's making a labo right now. <laughs> I had to go. I had to tease you a little bit, but I, you know what? When you put it in perspective, as as a lord that has two children, two daughters, I see where you're coming from. I see where that creativity is enabled with something like that and to be able to enjoy that with your, with your kids. I, I can kind of let you off that. <laughs> I love innovation and I, I always tilt towards innovation and I think Labo is really cool and something I haven't seen before. No doubt. Yeah, that Ron was out, amazing. Running out his list for the lords who didn't know he had Octopath Traveler, Dragon Quest Eleven, and Detroit Becomes Human. So solid list, but I had to ask, obviously, number seven. A seven lot of Sony nine. exclusives on that list, so that's, that's <laughs> very good. And being that Spider-Man was ranked higher than God of War, I, I, it isn't that close for me. So there you go. There you go. The That's right. I got to explain my videos. Yes, but I had to tease him. It was a perfect. Oh, you can tease me. <laughs> you tease me. You know, we mentioned people yelling at me for my Polygon takes on Twitter. I tell you what they yelled at me about a lot is me saying that God of War was only an eight. I got, I got a lot of responses there. Oh, you know what? And I concur. I concur. <laughs> I liked it. I enjoyed it. I just didn't, I, you know, it, it wasn't Look, a life-changing experience. That's that's what, I need it. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> listen, it's, it's called reality. We are a drinking reality juice. If you notice, he was drinking some reality juice, too, uh, as, well, as well as myself. <laughs> I can respect it because I know he beat it. <laughs> well, that's nice. I didn't. It's still an eight. <laughs> I did. I did beat it. I did beat it. But I am. Yeah. I mean, if I was being snarky, I'd say I'm really very much looking forward to God of War two when the story actually starts. Oh, <laughs> go. tell me about it. Let's go for it. Oh, it's so oh, cool. no, I have to give him that. Oh. Like, it, it was definitely. You know, there there wasn't a huge spike in the story. Like, I, I know, but that. Spider Man got a huge, nice story. Hello, tell him about it. No, <laughs> that is. That I don't is know what I walked. Have you even again. beat Spider Man yet? Oh no, God. I haven't. And I can tell you, stop so worrying about me beating it. But nice I can. I'm, I'm gonna beat you. <laughs> That's the whole thing. Yo, so you, you, know, you know what really matters? Like, how do me, you know Spider Man has me and this little guy right here is gonna show up at your door? We want your knees on the floor. 
I lose the bet, I lose the bet. I still want to know how you know the game has a good story when you ain't beat it. <laughs> Just for context, Lord Hogue, oh, there is a bet between Lord King and Lord Act in reference to God of War versus Spider-Man. And obviously, in terms of the first month sale, we know that uh, God of War, when it launched, it did $3 million. Spider-Man has done 3.3, so King is currently in the lead. And then once the month numbers, we wait for our good friend, okay. Lord Matt Pescatella, to come on the show and drop that knowledge, hopefully, and uh, we'll get the months, uh, month numbers because that's the bet. They wanted to, those two are going at it in reference to who's actually going to outsell for a full month. So it's been intense as we're getting closer to NPD. <laughs> well, either way, those are some pretty big sales numbers for both. So yeah, Sony, was, uh, Sony is partying in 2018. All right. You know it, man. And last question before we get into the topics. Um, Lord Hope, top, I ask this to everyone, top five video games or franchises of all time. And if Star Control is not on the list, we're going to have to talk. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. Uh, number one is Star Control 2. Ooh. Okay. Uh, number two is Final Fantasy VI. Mm, six. Interesting. Yeah. Num number three is going to be Chrono Trigger. Mm. Yes, of um, number four is probably Witcher 3. Whoa. Oh, Lord Sam Tober's loving you in the chat. Uh, mm -hmm. And then five always seems to jump around for me. Um, What's five? But, it, it, you know, it's probably something off the wall like uh, Privateer 2 or something like that. Something old school in full motion video. No, I love that FMV, man. You're taking me to the studio, <laughs> no Stuart Shark. <laughs> you take me to the studio, studio Shark. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it's probably one of those some some space combat game of some kind, some Privateer Two, Wing Commander Four, something like that. Oh, Wing Commander. Oh, see, I'm, you just yeah. about Matt Hogue because I was gonna when you talked about full motion video doing your 3DO segment with Star Control and stuff, and that's what I remember. Like through the old full wing commander, and when you're doing the dog fights and you have the full motion video of the guys, aliens talking yeah. to you. I, I can I, still, I can still uh, make my brother laugh by saying, "You got four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Salute, Lord Hogue, with the impressive list. Let's get into the show. The topic we got a lot to do. This thing going. Last week's poll results are in, and the people have spoken to the question. With the recent success of Nintendo's mini systems and Xbox backward compatibility title sales, is Sony hypocritical for announcing both the PlayStation Classic and PlayStation Now download features after previous, previous statements of gamer non-interest? The winner at 54% was the yes, Sony was lying until they saw <laughs> the profits of the Nintendo mini systems group. Coming in at second place at 40% was the no, pure business move. Sony is adapting to the needs of the market group and coming in at last place at only 6% was the I don't care who's playing these ancient relics anywhere group. Thanks to the lords who participated in the poll. Uh, Lord, I'm actually going to ask Lord Solve this. Lord Solve, what do you feel about this, man? I mean, they yeah, they adapted. They adapted to the needs of 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 the market because they saw. Oh yeah, I see where you voted. <laughs> I voted, but the thing is, like, the second one is worded in such a way that it's like, yeah, they adapted because they saw what was winning, and they went that my, you know, my issue with it is that they copied it verbatim. They didn't change anything. <laughs> like, come on, like, you know, listen. All these companies copy off one another in one shape or another. You know, they evolve something, they take an idea, they evolve whatever. Mm -hmm. This was just, they said, we're doing the exact same thing you're doing. Mm -hmm. Here, here, take this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, come on, my guys, give me something different, man. Do something <laughs> different. 
I hear you. Lord, Lord Ho, how did you feel about the uh, the announcements of the uh, PlayStation Classic as well as the uh, ability to download games uh, to your hard drive from PlayStation Now? Uh, the PlayStation Now download doesn't really affect me. Um, mm -hmm. The PlayStation Classic, I went and pre-ordered when it was announced Woo! basically because I didn't want to get left behind in case that, uh, that proved a problem. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, it's one of those things where I do think Microsoft and Xbox has the better of it in terms of backward compatibility right now. Right. Uh, I, I really love being able to uh, pop a disc in there or otherwise spend a fairly nominal amount to download whatever it is I'm missing uh, and play it on my Xbox One X. Um, so while I really like the novelty of my mini systems and I'm going to build a tiny little dollhouse to be exactly the size <laughs> of my little <laughs> I do wish that the PlayStation 4 had a more robust infrastructure for the PlayStation history. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. All right, so Lords have a new poll cooking up at the end of the show. Please stay tuned for that. Let's get into these topics. All right, so I am up, and we're going to breeze through this because we kind of, Lord, Lord Hulk kind of actually went in a little bit already in the Q&A. So uh, Telltale, they've they've been warned, so to speak, and may find themselves in legal trouble regarding the layoffs. So first of all, I definitely want to salute Lord uh, Mike Futter for his tremendous article at GameDaily.biz, as well as Lord Hogan himself with his uh, tremendous insight and contribution with this. So what's in question here? Pretty much is this Warren Act, and uh, it's pretty much requires uh, employees to be notified in advance in, in the case there's layoffs, and pretty much it's the, the acronym is the Worker Adjustment and Retraining uh, Notification Act. So nice. yeah, pretty much, <laughs> thank you, from a lawyer, I think. <laughs> so yeah, pretty much it's something to protect the, the employees and the families of those, you know, who are laid off and of most employers with a hundred or more. So to provide a uh, 60 day calendar day advance notice whenever there's mass layoffs, mass closing. And in this case, it may not appear to have happened. So um, a, a salute again to Mike with the tremendous article, you know, please check that out if you haven't seen it. And um, pretty much they've been named at this, in this, uh, Telltale's been named this as a defendant in this uh, Warren Act class action lawsuit. And I believe that the gentleman is uh, Vernie Roberts. So he's going to be taking them to court and demand the suit demands uh, unpaid payment of unpaid wages and benefits. And like I said, the issue comes down to is, you know, Telltale going to be responsible for this. So based on what you know and your input on this, Lord Hogan, it got to start with you. You know, what do you feel about the basis of this Warren Act and if they're in violation with this uh, class action lawsuit? Yeah. So uh, obviously with the same disclaimer as always, which is uh, not legal advice and informational, educational only. The crux of it is the Warren Act was put in place. Mm -hmm. So that companies couldn't just evaporate large numbers of jobs uh, without giving people a warning and letting them mm -hmm. look for a new landing place. Uh, and that, that warning period is 60 days. Mm -hmm. um, what happened here appears to be that the company was seeking funding, mm -hmm. had funding lined up, had a term sheet entered into in all likelihood. Mm -hmm. And then when the definitive documents were about to be signed, Probably one, we know Lionsgate at least, but yeah. maybe more than one financing source backed mm. out and then mm. that that cascaded the financing. Once your gotcha. lead backs out, everybody looks at it and says, well, I don't want to do it if it's not X amount of dollars. And so it all falls apart. Mm -hmm. And then the next day they say, oh, we can hit this payroll and no more. Mm -hmm. And mm. goodbye, guys. Mm. And that's a Warnack problem. 
mm-hmm. because California's WARN Act is different than the federal WARN Act. So the right. federal WARN Act says if you've got a scenario where your capital raising and it falls through, <clears throat> if you close a whole plant, um, the vernacular obviously leaning more towards manufacturing, but it still generally applies under the way mm-hmm. the statute is written. If you close a whole plant, then you're don't it's not your fault you tried we don't want to penalize people that were trying to make the company work and it didn't and it didn't work out mm-hmm. if you don't close the whole plant then you don't get to use that exception instead mm-hmm. you wind up in an exception that says if there were unreason uh, unforeseeable business circumstances, circumstances. then mm-hmm. we're not gonna then we're not gonna ding you either so the mm-hmm. federal warn act gives you this kind of uh, gray area to say, oh, we were going to get money. We thought we were going to get money. We have every reason to believe we were going to get money. We have people coming in next week. We just hired people this week mm-hmm. and it didn't happen. And so we're very sorry, but we have to go away. Right. California, mm-hmm. like many states, mm-hmm. copies the federal law and changes mm-hmm. it in little ways. Okay. What Break they did to apply to Telltale is they took the federal law and there's an exception for capital funding, uh, mm-hmm. capital raises that fall through. There's an exception for uh, contracts that are of a specific term, things like that. Mm-hmm. But what they didn't bring over to their version of the statute was this exception for unforeseeable business ah. circumstances. So because the capital funding provision only applies to a full closing, mm-hmm. we start to talk about whether Telltale is fully closed. And they're not. They're not because they, they still retain on, staff. Yeah, you're right. They kept on 25 people to help finish off the Netflix contract. Right. And uh, they don't appear to have fully closed. Mm-hmm. So because California doesn't have that business circumstances test, I think in all likelihood, Telltale can defeat a federal WARN Act violation claim. Mm-hmm. They probably can't defeat a Californian one. Gotcha. So, so, so uh, just, just to stop you for one quick yeah, second. Um, I can talk forever. <laughs> no, again, you're breaking it down. And I, I believe the third exception was like on the federal level was actually like a natural disaster or something to that effect, right? Terrorist attack. Yeah, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, okay. So that didn't happen, obviously. So the thing is now, what was filed at this point by Vernie Robertson, these guys, until was this on the federal level or on the Californian version of the Warren Act? Do we know that right now? My understanding is he filed in federal court for a violation oh. of both. Um, So, and and I tweeted this out because I I was in this article that Mike put together. Yes, fantastic article. Oh yeah, yeah. You you guys killed that. You and Uh, Mike. Yes, salute. But I so I did mention that the federal, just what I said just now, which is that they probably can beat a federal claim, Mm -hmm. but they filed for federal anyway. And what I tweeted out was, from a legal strategy point of view, yeah, you file both because Mm -hmm. they still have to prove that it was an unforeseeable business circumstance, and. You might win that. You never know. Mm-hmm. So you file both. I think they probably get the federal one defeated, mm-hmm. but I don't know what argument they could have against the California one, which mm-hmm. is what I wrote in that article, which is um, right. from where I'm at, which is mm-hmm. a Michigan lawyer some thousand miles away, but looking at the statutes and looking at everything else, I don't see how they can beat the California claim. Wow. So then you start talking about, you know, what does that mean? Yeah, they wind up owing these people 60 days of <clears throat> wages. They didn't mm-hmm. get 60 days of work, so it's just a penalty amount. And mm-hmm. where does that fall under the amounts that, that Telltale otherwise owes to people like their landlord um, or the people that bought The Walking Dead final season? Mm-hmm. Those, those people that, wa- that bought that season mm-hmm. are what we call creditors of the company. They have given money to the company and haven't received the assets they purchased. Yes. Right. And it's funny <clears> you brought <throat> that so, up. 
I just want to cut you again real quick. Yeah, no, quick absolutely. Thing. I know, I, I know I got a lot, a lot to talk to talk myself. Um, the thing it reminds me of is I was a fan of Marvel Heroes. And when it finally came to, to, to console, and I believe the company was Gazillion, and this this is eerily similar to that, where they brought it to console and then the company just goes through, goes under, and then at that point. You know, everything that was kind of old to us, I, I, mean, I remember purchasing packs of future content or whatever it may be. So like you're saying, you, you kind of mentioned like a creditor status. Like, so at that point, for those people who bought the latest season of Walking Dead, right, you know, is it going to be a, most likely be a similar situation where they have to credit these people? Because I believe, you know, I was credited as in reference to uh, Marvel Heroes when that situation happened. So when I say creditor, I, I mean mm -hmm. that like they're like a bank. Uh, right. they've, they've essentially lent money to Telltale mm -hmm. um, and Telltale is supposed to do something to get that, to earn that money. Mm -hmm. um, Mike actually has an excellent article. If you go into his stuff on, on game daily, where he discusses mm -hmm. the notion of unearned revenue, mm -hmm. uh, which is an accounting term, but it basically means what I'm saying here, which is that you've gotten paid and you haven't delivered your side of the bargain right. yet. Right. Um, so in the case of Marvel heroes, and mm -hmm. isn't it interesting that we're talking about these two circumstances that both relate to third party licenses yes. and, and what those business models look like. Mm -hmm. Um, in that case, it's a matter of who is partnered with them, what kind mm -hmm. of, uh, damage control they need to do. I don't know what kind of credit you got, whether that you got anything from Sony direct, whether mm -hmm. you got anything from Vermillion, uh, mm -hmm. but it, it's a matter of what assets exist. I mean, when we're talking about if they lose this Warnack case, if they've otherwise not got a, a Walking Dead season four or whatever the final season number is done, mm -hmm. who gets paid? Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. what I talked about on my Twitter, which is if I've got a sack of $50 and mm -hmm. I owe $100 and you want to throw the employees in there with a Warnack claim, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But if I owe $100, it's not a matter of evil or what's uh, uh, trying to be despotic. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of this is the money we have. Mm. How does it get divvied up? Because right. people are going to experience pain. Who deserves the pain? Who gets the pain? Depends on what the contracts say. Depends on how a bankruptcy estate would treat the assets. Um, that's why the Warn Act claim isn't silly, is that mm -hmm. it can get you a space in line in that process. Right. But right. it doesn't mean they're going to get 60 days of money. My guess is that doesn't exist. Mm. So, so in those cases when it doesn't exist, then what happens? Like these guys just don't get anything like like because well, they just don't have it when a camp when a company goes under it has these it has hard assets a software company is going to have furniture and computers and it's going to have some mm -hmm. cash amount mm -hmm. um it's going to owe money to probably its licensed partners depending on what it owes under its royalty agreements mm -hmm. it's going to owe money to the people that bought the walking dead season four it's going to owe money to its landlord and for any contracts that it breaches if it go if it does go under uh and it's potentially going to owe money to its employees under a warn act claim um, and then we decide who gets a quarter and who gets a dime and who gets a nickel. Wow. There, there it is. And there it is. <laughs> any of the Lords, uh, what you want to chime in, um, Lord Addict, do you get any, any feelings on this, the whole telltale thing, man? Not really. <laughs> and <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> nah, I find it, I find it, uh, upsetting but i understand how you know business uh works and i understand that they were put in a box and maybe they didn't disclose it to the you know employees because they didn't want to affect the the work rate and they were hoping that this bag will come in and the bag didn't show up and when the bag doesn't show up 
everything goes left and they have to be truthful and honest with these guys. But as far as keeping the business open with 25 employees, that was stupid. Mm-hmm. Here's, I mean, I'm, again, we're guessing, but my guess yeah. is based on what we know, the 25 people are putting Minecraft through for Netflix. Right. If you remember, they had a Netflix contract for Stranger Things. Yes. And right. my guess is they came to an arrangement about what would be considered a breach and what money they would owe to Netflix. And mm-hmm. part of that solution was you'll finish Minecraft for us. And mm-hmm. my guess is when you're in these crisis scenarios, you don't always call your labor lawyer and you don't always figure out what the potential problem with that approach is. And right. the so I think they they foot faulted. They slipped accidentally into a Warn Act violation. I think it exists, mm-hmm. but they were trying to appease Netflix and not get sued for whatever Stranger Things money had already been given to them, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Gotcha, gotcha. Lord Sovereign, any uh, input on the Telltale situation? Just quickly on that, um, how? Because I know that there was some belief online that, or confusion as to how that works. How they get those licenses? Are they paying these license holders to 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 use the license in their games, or is it is it sort of somewhere in the middle, or is it vice versa? Uh, they're paying them. Yeah, they're right. paying them. Uh, the the question is uh, how much money was paid up front. Uh, how much do they owe for existing royalties, et cetera, et cetera. And, and where there could be a, a, a back and forth when I talk about Stranger Things money is um, <clears throat> sometimes there's an advance uh, on what is going to be royalty. Mm. Sometimes there's here's this, here's this chunk of money for development and you can pay us back in sales, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know what right. that looks like. That's complete speculation. And right. what we do know is <clears throat> whatever Telltale was entering into, it wasn't working in terms of keeping them in the black. So those contracts could be God awful. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, man, just, uh, I'll finish up too. It's just, I just feel the whole situation is sad. I mean, when the way they started and just how, you know, they just seem like this vibrant new company that had this new genre of narrative storytelling that really wasn't done before. I never forget the walking dead, you know, season one and the emotional ending. And just to see, you know, we were like, where is it going to go next? And, you know, it definitely seemed like that maybe they just took on too much, you know, and, you know, they just had so many project projects, Guardians of the Galaxy. I remember Game of Thrones. It was this one, that one. So at but that we're point, not strangers mm-hmm. to companies closing Data East, yeah. uh, other yeah. companies of that nature that, you know, we mm-hmm. we've we've been through. I mean, our history in video games has shown us that. Mm-hmm. If you don't stay, because Capcom was looking like they were in a precarious uh, situation for a minute, and and I, w- I was worried about that. But we've seen companies fall that were at the height, yeah. you understand, sure. and and have very good games. So mm-hmm. I mean, these games are time capsules. Yeah, mm-hmm. I understand. We are probably more upset about the employees yeah, or, sure. than we are about the actual right. you know company because we see companies go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just like I said, I guess for my it was a surprise to me. I'll be honest. I, I, I didn't think that everything was rosy on, on the Telltale side, but it was a surprise, you know, because, again, like they were just it felt like they were just pumping out content constantly yeah. and just to see like, wow, going under effective boom. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, like the, like, the bag didn't you know, show up. The bag didn't yeah, show up. Man. And we're left. The bag and Adam, right. knows. No, and, that's that's part of the mismanagement. I mean, you, yeah. you companies shouldn't be Thanos snapped out of existence. <laughs> um, and, and that that, but that really goes to. Mm-hmm. We should have had inklings. They should have been paring back. They should have yeah. been doing other things, and they weren't. Right. Yeah. I had to guess. I'm gonna say before we move to the next topic. 
I think the biggest thing that happened with them, uh, you know, is I think it was fatigue. I, I think a couple like small little things they could have did. Mm-hmm. I think if the company would have dedicated every year to a certain game and not, I mean, why is it now that six years later we're getting the final season of The Walking Dead? Good point. They, By a lot the of time people, that happened, argument was they people didn't, didn't care. Yeah, lot, the argument is a lot of people felt that one, they didn't upgrade their engine fast enough. They did. They would like just recently. I don't even think it was that. I think and the fact they tired. didn't give what you said with the fans. I want. think people were tired of that kind of you know engine, that kind of gameplay. But I think mm-hmm. for the most part that they didn't pace their games correctly to actually capitalize I on the sales. Differ with that whole with the whole aspect of it again i'm gonna double down on it the internet is a terrible troll when you can look at these story just story games and you can just sit there eat a bowl of cereal and watch the whole damn story on youtube yeah. by somebody mm-hmm. playing it See, and but you, you don't you have know, to actually go out and purchase people this game. doing that you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that do that uh especially if you watch something like that on tw- uh, twitch you're probably not going to buy the game but Let's say, you know, someone like me, I, I played the first two, I enjoyed the first two, but by, you know, we're like two years from the last one. Right. So it's gotten to the point where I'm like, you know what? I just, I just watch it on Twitch. I don't mm. really, I don't care right. anymore. Like, so, so, so Attic, your point is more so that, you know, while the fire is hot with the more famous ones, like the Walking well, Dead even like and, the, and the Wolf famous. Among Us. The only one I've seen them even uh, remote, didn't they have two Spider-Man seasons? Uh, not Spider-Man, um, Batman, Batman seasons? Batman. Batman. Yes. See, yes. that one looked a little bit more better pacing because mm-hmm. by the time the second one came out, people were still remembering the first. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. You're talking it's about the, that gap, that wait. That's yeah, so long. it's just like you do have, and then I, I think that the dime between the episodes is a little bit too far sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and you just, when it comes to episodic games like that, I think you neither have, you have two choices. You need to go the direction that, you know, uh, that Until Dawn went, uh, mm-hmm. where you just released a whole season. Mm-hmm. And I think you'd have a little bit more better choice with that if you don't, if you're not able to pop out the content in a reasonable amount of time. Because it's like TV shows. Once mm-hmm. about two months goes by, I'm already waiting for the season. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to watch every episode individually anymore. I uh, listen, I hear it. There's a lot of factors think, here, man. Yeah, I think I think what it com- comes down to is they didn't gamify that engine enough. It, it came to a point with it. Why I keep would I play people this? Say that, but why would I? Those, play? I think those engines lend to a specific group, right? And but, I don't. Yeah, and I. But the addict's point, right? If you look at Until Dawn, right? Until Dawn is one game, right? It's not a. It's not season. Yeah, but, yeah one okay. Game. Let's say this, right? Let's say okay. Everybody keeps bringing up this un- until dawn. Uh, Against these telltale games, well, it's not even and, until dawn. And, and I, Detroit, Detroit did the same thing. I'm, yeah. but, okay, this is what I'm going to try to explain to you. Those telltale games cater to a very specific crowd that can be either super casual, non gamers, mm-hmm. or or hardcore gamers. Right? The 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 that engine is palatable for those three uh, you know, criteria. Mm-hmm. Now right. you have the Until Dawn and the D- D- Detroit. Mm-hmm. They catered to two the mm. hardcore and the above casual you mm-hmm. know type of crowd mm-hmm. you understand so super casual crowd is going to do it and they don't want to look at uh the the the, the, the whole engine and stuff like that it's, it's just i felt that like you said maybe it's true what you said that they didn't come up with the next seasons uh fast enough but maybe they took on too much 
took well, too many licenses all over the place and was trying to pump out all these different games. Like you had um, Guardian's Head, then you had Batman, and then, okay, on the back burner, we do Walking Dead later, but people that wanted Walking Dead now then walked away from that. And then by the time Walking Dead did come out, they were like, oh, we're past it. We're watching on Twitch. I think when it comes like to that, that, the reason that they chose that direction, and I think that's a, a, another key reason why they went over mm-hmm. under, is because, you know... Um, uh, you know, Lord Richard, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure when they had that opportunity, they mm-hmm. didn't know if that would be here two years from now, a year from now. So when they was able to get those licensing agreements, I think that, you know, they grabbed them without really thinking the consequences to take too much on. Mm. Yeah, no, nah, I I'm sorry. I, so. I tend to agree with the with the issues with with Twitch. I, I think that Telltale was uniquely situated to get burned by people watching their product and in an industry that's still dealing with um, folks that want to stream from Twitch and, and justifiably so, they weren't able to do what probably they they should have done, which is essentially ban their games from being streamed. Yeah. Uh, that would have been a public relations nightmare for them based, mm-hmm. on, based on where the industry sits right this second. But in terms of the product that they actually have, there is value lost when... Yes. What is primarily the source of interest from playing a Telltale game for me mm-hmm. was the notion of getting into the character's head and deciding on how you're going to treat this mm-hmm. answer to this response tonally because it puts you into a television show or a book right. in a way that you wouldn't otherwise be. When you're playing yeah. something like Game of Thrones, which is one of their lesser works, but you have to say, wow, what are the ways that I could answer this where I don't get burned by Queen Cersei? That's an interesting thing. Even if you know that you're always going to get burned, Burned. it's still interesting to be like, what am am I thoughts? And you get the four and you have the timer Mm -hmm. and that's interesting, but you lose 90% of it from just watching it and not playing for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the last point I'll make, it was definitely more. And one of just, the things that get, get out again, then I'll, 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 I'll finish they off. actually have a feature in some of the games where they integrated it into streaming. Yes. Services. So, you know, I think they were trying to encourage that. They're like, I think but when it comes to this, it, maybe they were undercharging for the product they were giving. Because yeah. that's what a lot of people don't realize. This this game was only twenty five dollars. All twenty five, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. maybe they were undercharging for it. Maybe you know if they would have invested more into an engine mm-hmm. and had a better product, they could have charged forty to sixty with the mm-hmm. whole season. I mean, it's just a lot of different things. But yeah. Yeah, that was an impulse buy for me because when I see a Telltale game, I say, "Oh, you know, a quick uh, thousand points." But also, it's I, not I breaking say, the bank to do so. I would say the last year for me because I felt the same way. But the last year, the last couple of seasons of content, mm. even the twenty-five for me was like, "I wait for a sale." Mm. I wait. I wait for everything dollars. <laughs> like, well, see, what, cause I, and know, that's because that that you know, that sensation of wanting to f- to see what happens next left because they took too long to give you. <laughs> well, they were putting their season passes on sale before the season was the season was I, yeah, think right. the, I think that yeah. was noticed. Yeah. 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 yeah, let's move on. I mean, the la- last thing I yeah, let's go. definitely move on. We got to move on. It's just that I, my point I was going to say is that like I felt like what happened is also another factor was that, you know, unfortunately, that structure even though you made quote unquote significant choices during the middle of the game. And like Lord Hogue was saying about, you know, you got to see what you're going to say to Cersei and whatever, whatever. Ultimately the game kind of got back on rails towards the end mm-hmm. and it didn't really like branch off into completely different paths. I felt, you know what I'm saying? At the end that where your choices kind of really like, wow, this game completely it changed. Wasn't. 
It yeah, wasn't true, choose just, your own adventure. It wasn't right. and then, that. Exactly. And I felt the competition then caught up. You had the Life of Strangers. You had the Detroits, right? You know, where they took upon that f- formula. The engine was better and they had more significant choices. I can remember specific things in Life of Strange and, you know, Detroit where the game is completely different based on said paths and said choices. And I just think I think they kind of like evolved the formula. But that's just my opinion. Whatever. Yeah, I give you that. There's a lot of people that took that concept and made it better and they yeah. didn't evolve their own. And they didn't mind. evolve and they kind of stayed with the thing. But we got to move on. Sure. Monumental news on the Sony front. Lord Attic, do you want to talk about Crossplay? You want me to grab it? Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. Monumental news on the Sony front. <laughs> Lord sleep. <laughs> oh, no, no, I was I was talking no, to that's cool. The room. No, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, I mean, when it comes to the the whole crossplay thing, uh, what I really just wanted to bring up is, you know, obviously we know now that um, Sony did cave to the crossplay, and I love because I made a video on YouTube, <laughs> and when I and when I used the word cave, you wouldn't believe how many people commented. Sony didn't cave to anything; they did it <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly didn't expect this, and I want to, you know, go around the, the table and, and just get your guys' overall opinion and, and whether or not me this, like you about to. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Whether or not that you know this came from a position of weakness, or it was, I've actually been seeing on Twitter that people really believe that Sony has implied this, and it's been a long time in the going, but now they're 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 actually launching. Lord Hogue, what do you feel about the crossplay being allowed in Fortnite? I think it's fantastic. I, you know, I had said that I thought that they would give us cross progression at some point because I think it's easy enough to let the third parties have their accounts. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that they would open the doors to cross play. I suspect that it was just easier to open the whole thing than not. But I think this is. I, I think I tweeted it out the day it happened. I think it's a huge, huge day for gaming. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is fantastic for all gamers, uh, no matter their console war persuasion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, the king had to bend his knee. It's the, the it, best Fortnite, part about that. There yeah. were very few that could do that, but Fortnite could. Fortnite was by, the one by, one by getting their employees one point two billion dollars, I believe, that they said they uh that, that game generated to the staff. Mm-hmm. Um that that speaks volumes. Like this game is is taking on a world of its own. Like I I don't play the game, but I know <laughs> tons of people who do. Mm-hmm. And to see that it took a game of this magnitude to mm-hmm. force the need to hit the ground for Sony because we thought that that wasn't going to happen. I actually thought it was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And when I got the well, tweet, I said. In. Yeah. What? Yeah, they seem to uh, be. Yeah, because like I, the I week wrote, before, yeah. they really had an arrogant tweet that went out, right? I did. I, I wrote at E3 when when people were launching their switches, their Switch yeah. Fortnites, and getting that message that said, <laughs> "No, you once used a Sony one time in your life. No, you can't." Yeah, <laughs> that that was going to play wrong for everybody. And to yeah. be truthful, I think that Epic was doing that deliberately. If you read that note, it's like you know. Go talk to Sony. They're being asses. And and I I think it was workable. And I I tweeted out at the time. I said, I think that Fortnite is going to break them. I did think Mm. it was just going to be cross progression. I didn't think it was going to be cross play. So I think that's going to open the floodgates. And I think it's going to be everything. I I think, you know, the next 
The next call should be to Activision and Bungie and saying, "Let's hey, go." Is I don't think people. You know, I don't think it's going to happen probably in the next year. I think sooner or later, devs, especially when it, how it worked out with Fortnite, because they opened the floodgate. Now yes. there's no shutting it. Like yes. if they right. were seeing it with one, the it's not going to happen for a little bit. But I do think sooner or later, you know, after enough harassment to the other communities, the Destiny community, the Call of Duty community, I don't see them doing it. No, I I see them opening it to them too because these, these developers it. they're all pushing for it. They all I mean, but Listen, that's the, I don't Fortnite even think Fortnite is being played on Jimmy Kimmel's show. Listen, <laughs> I think, like I don't even think it was entirely Fortnite. I think Bethesda had something to do with it too. Oh yeah, I mean they were very adamant in their press coverage because every time this was even remotely dying, Bethesda would come out and be like, "Yo, they still ain't letting us do it." Like every time, <laughs> yeah, it but Bethesda out. doesn't have a game big enough to force the hand. It's like if if no, your no, hand doesn't call said, for it. If they use their actual games as leverage, Sony would have to cave. Fallout seventy six being an Xbox exclusive would devastate. That's them. not happening. Well, that's what I'm saying. They have the games; they're just not willing to use it. Being, got that, being that we brought up Bethesda in this whole situation, um, <laughs> you, I wanted to comment on that because at the end of the day, um, obviously, you know, they were very vocal. You know, during before the Sony uh, crossplay announcement, you know, they were very vocal that they wanted it, especially for their Elder Scrolls Legend. And I believe it was uh, Pete Hines from Bethesda. He basically came out and said it was pertinent to Legend that, you know, this was so critical for the game to have crossplay. So the question I want to bring to Lil Hogue with this is that, you know, now that it is allowed, right? And as far as in the Fortnite situation, right? You know, I've seen a lot of Twitter banter back and forth saying, well, now, you know, Sony kind of exposed Bethesda's hand because now they've allowed it. So why won't you now allow it in or work towards getting Fallout 76 done? Because this, this statement right after Fallout, um, after uh, the announcement with Sony and Fortnite, uh, they, Bethesda actually said, no, we're not doing Fallout 7076 anymore. That That's already locked in to not cross-play. So, Lord Hulk, what do you feel about this whole Bethesda thing involvement? You know, it, 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 is, is Sony calling a bluff? Like, what, what do you feel what, what, about this whole situation? No, I think the infrastructure is such that you probably can't turn on a dime. Mm -hmm. uh, I think from Sony's perspective, it, it's great that they did this for Fortnite. I think it's baby steps for them. I think yes. they still need to be shown that it's not going to... Uh, negatively impact their bottom line, which I, mm -hmm. I firmly believe it won't. I think it will be actually a positive for them, but they have to they have to see that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I think what you're talking about really is a future of crossplay rather than a present. Uh, mm -hmm. Fortnite's enough to break this because Epic was ready. Uh, I mean, Fortnite. I don't know if you remember. You saw a couple of instances where they had accidentally turned on crossplay. Yeah. Yeah. It was clearly just it was clearly just a dam that Sony had built. So it's a matter of Epic saying, great, you're in Sony, and we hit the button, versus Sony being very adamant to Bethesda and saying, you can't cross-play, we're worried about safety or whatever other garbage mm -hmm. they said, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> leading to, a, leading to a, a Fallout 76 that is built to be separate. Right. Um, if there is a secret button, we haven't seen any indication of it. So I, I suspect you're talking about next year and the years beyond being in a mm -hmm. situation where... Gaming community can come together 
<laughs> and play together. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I think it's dope. And more importantly, like you said, I think for me, as, as great as cross play is, I think the future is cross progression. And I think that was key as far as the whole Epic accounts being held hostage. You know what I'm saying? That wasn't right. If you, you know, if you logged into a Sony account machine and, and, and then, you know, then bought a switch, like you said, and you got that infamous message. I mean, we were out there on the floor, Lord King, you know what I'm saying? We remember like the Fortnite account that was, was broke. Hilarious. I was, was angry. I'm an even tempered guy. That's, mm -hmm. that's you, <laughs> yeah. you, you can't, you can't do that, Sony. That's not right. Yeah, and it was the negative. I've never seen such a negative backlash. And I spoke about this out to the shop podcast. I was on those with those guys last night, you know, saying PTK Blam and the crew. And um, we talked, I, I, it was funny because I almost felt at that moment Microsoft and Nintendo sensed weakness. And then you started to see more of the marketing of survive together. <laughs> you know what I mean? All that. You know, we're playing nice and they're not. You know, you see the main one was like, sir, uh, it's, it was, um, what was the survive together? And then on yeah, the side, I was like, okay, I guess so. <laughs> I, I honestly believe, you know, Stoney wouldn't have, it, it had to be something of a juggernaut, an unstoppable force yeah. to do this. And if that if that game doesn't exist in the form that it's in now, I agree, King. That doesn't, doesn't happen. happen. It had happen. to be, and, and, and that that's the monumental nature of Fortnite because right. it had to be a game of that scope, that size to get them to even consider it. And yeah. I think King's on it. Like I don't know if another game could have done Fortnite. That, yeah, that's why you're saying like Destiny, and we're gonna do. It's not gonna happen. No, I'm well, not I disagree with that. Those games would have done it. I'm saying yeah. that since they opened it to Fortnite, they gave they have given other publishers right. and developers that's right. the opportunity happen, to right. ask they, for it. Yeah, to probably ask for it, but then they're going to say just like this, well, when you generate $40 billion in sales, mm. holla at us. Uh, until you do that, then leave us alone. We're going to say no to you, get out the door, and close it. So I, I, I honestly think what it is, I take it, a I take it from deal? a different... No, I don't think it's a one-time deal. I think, again, I if think there's something... Gonna, if there's something free to play that comes down the pipeline that has uh, this similar type of appeal, mm. the question is going to come up again, right? I don't and think it was, you know, Fortnite definitely was the key reason. And I don't even think it was, you know, it was the pressure they're getting from the community. Mm -hmm. There's, yeah. uh, You know how many times I saw people say, well, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and play it on PC because I want to play it on the Switch or vice versa or something sure. else like that. Mm -hmm. Like all it takes and that's been the reason that happened is because that crossplay was already implied. So it put that pressure on Sony. So if uh, do you think that if they get the same amount of pressure from the community across the board from a game that's considered nope. a, like a less popular game, but the same amount of pressure, you think at some point they cave? You can't generate the same amount of pressure without the same amount of revenue. You know, this is money driven. All right. You got to understand that part right there. It's right. money driven. The, when issue, they start the issue that made this happen is that they locked the progression behind Sony. If, the account if, was huge. Yeah. Right. That, that's, yeah. that's what motivated it all because mm -hmm. people were upset that they couldn't take it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's the point that I'm saying. Mm -hmm. When you have millions of people who mm -hmm. say, okay, I want to play it on this, I want to play it on that, and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to play it on my PlayStation, and then you log into your other thing that you wanted to play it on, and it says, nah, you can't do that because these guys said no, then that's when the upset happens. See, that's what and I'm that's saying. When like, the sooner or later, but I don't I'll... see another game doing that. Sooner or later, a lot more of these games are going to start to be more cross-progression, cross 
cross platform. Yeah, for the other uh, guy. Once you see, let, imagine if something like Destiny was, you know, oh, Xbox and so Battle. I would like to imagine that. Yes. Oh. But if that happened, can Sony say no at that point? Yeah, because that, that's the question, King, because the precedent because has been set like it, the floodgate is open. It, it, it'll be harder for them to deflect. But I do see your point, King, that you're saying yeah. it has to be another game of that stature. It has but, to be like, like to come at to the big boy table. Mm -hmm. You know, you understand you have to come with your chest out. It's not going to be Sony caving to the consumers. It's going to be Sony caving to Activision because people are blowing they shit up every Activ day. Activision is not doing well, that. Imagine, let's say that Destiny is, uh, we're just going to use Destiny because we all play that. Uh, right, Destiny exactly. is a cross-play. Mm, uh, right. like, you know, we could play with a Bontus on Battle.net. Oh. How long can Sony take that criticism that they're not let they're not let, in that? Let me let me give it let me give it to Hogue because I think Hogue also said a good point in the sense that they have to present to, to Sony, hey, look, look how beneficial this is. Financially, right. right? They they would have to, wouldn't you think, Lord Hogue? Like they yeah. would have to do it in, in some fashion that way. The other Here, companies. Here's what I'll say. I I agree with really both of you on this. I think that Fortnite needed to be as big as it is to make Sony listen. But I do think that every time this happens, and this might be the straw that breaks the camel's back, it me. becomes more and more likely that it will be the general approach to most of the games because. Mm -hmm. The standard of expectation changes. Mm. Once cross-play and cross-progression is expected, it is much more clearly blocked when mm. someone moves to block it. I would mm -hmm. say I would say Sony is going to battle this one or two more times, but after they lose those battles, it's just going to be a standard for every game. Let, let and I think, it's, I think the, the pendulum shifts. I think mm -hmm. Fortnite is a big move, um, and I and I think... Yes, I would really like to play my Warlock on my PC. Woo! So, you know, anything Let's that moves go. us towards that will mm -hmm. will be very happy. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. So I'll finish up. Let's move I, on. I approach it from a, a slightly different perspective. I understand all your perspectives, and they make absolute sense, especially when it comes to revenue. Mm -hmm. But I think with Sony, for me, at some point, the market leader has to take a position of leadership. Mm -hmm. And they... And I mentioned this before, I feel once they got to a position of power, they were playing more to not lose as opposed to playing to win. When you let the number two and the number three guys take the lead on things like this, obviously they're taking they're taking the lead from a position of losing where they need to do these sorts of things to appeal more to people and say, hey, look, we're doing things we're doing right by the gamer when the when the yeah. person in power is not taking the lead on these big things. Yeah. It's the optics are bad, and we've seen how the narrative can change on a dime. 2013, that narrative changed on a dime for mm. Xbox, mm. Mm. and and Sony is not immune to it. As powerful <laughs> as they are, this this generation, mm. they're not immune to that narrative changing. They're mm. just not. So, no, but that's what I mean is what it means to be for the players. Right, it shifts and. I think it shifted pretty significantly this last week and in a good way. Mm -hmm. And I think to the extent that for the players now requires a certain, at least Level openness to cross play yeah. and cross mm -hmm. progression, right. that's right. ultimately going to break the dam someday. Yeah. Right. Okay. Good. I think there's certain games and certain genres that once that genre is to, I think once the first person shooter genre takes off and cross play, there's no going back. 
I wanted to know Phil's face when he heard they allowed it. Like, well, I know Phil you know just funny? said. And you saw the Xbox Twitter account? The yeah. <laughs> I, I know exactly what happened. I could just picture him like, like I could just picture he did the z- same exact thing that King would do. Yeah, that's right. Bend the knee. <laughs> he, said, he looked and said, who did that for you? Oh my god! I just think it'll be good for everybody. So I, I think everybody. I, I think yeah. they sent a high five emoji. I think that was uh, legitimate. That was, I think I we'll think see yeah. more cross progression than cross play, but sooner or later we'll see both of them more yeah. often. To be you honest, have I, to get to that that space. Yeah. That space has to be uh, worked in because. Like the genesis of everything is like pure gaming, right? So we come from a whole, the whole culture of gaming has always been togetherness. We turned to this separatist uh, type of mentality. I don't, I guess when the console wars really started happening, when they started making big bucks, uh, they started separating us. And now we got to this point where we're at now and we all want to come together now. So yeah, I, I can't wait for that. I think, listen, at the end of the day, this is great for game. Is that soft? That was you talking? Or the no, Hulk? No. I'm sorry, that was Hulk. That was you. I didn't want to no, interrupt. I didn't you. Say anything. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, just pretty much. I just think at the end of the day, this is great for gaming. You know, I honestly didn't think it would happen this gen. Never. I thought it would definitely <laughs> happen next gen. I didn't yeah. think. I, I felt Sony's in a position of power. There was no need for them to play ball, so to speak. And it again, it just showed me the testament of Fortnite. As much as I've had my little issues with pro- Fortnite's ethics <laughs> with the PUBG situation, you know, I have to give credit where credit is due. It's a phenomenon, and you know, they Sony made had the to colossal at- PlayStation bend the knee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, it, it happened. You know, they 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 did they did acquiesce. So let's move on. This one will be super quick because we're over time, and I know <laughs> Lord Hogs Lions. Yeah, Lord Hogs Lions going. So I'm just gonna ask this question specifically to Hogs. We'll, we'll make this quick. And it, it basically, I've seen this in the Twitter community, and I want to shout out uh, Lord Kofi. He's brought it up. I want to shout out Lord BG. So Weapon Will and Prestar, shout out to those dudes. I've seen the feedback on Twitter. And it comes down to these dance emotes. And we all know they've been around. We know Destiny does it. We know Fortnite is definitely on the top of this list. Forza Horizon 4 does it now. Are you serious? <laughs> yep. Forza Horizon has dance emotes. Yeah, for the first time, well, Forza it's Seven. Crazy how trends. Forza change, Seven man. had it. Um, so now you have an avatar that gets out of the car. You're not getting out of the car, no. Noise, but you have an actual avatar that you can customize and do stuff with. So yes, there are dance emotes. It's oh, crazy how trends change. It's crazy. And then I know NBA 2K has always done it when you're walking around the My Park or whatever on the sidelines, yeah. you know. And you know these guys, Millie rocking. Millie rocking, and a lot of hip hop culture dances. So. You know, I wanted to bring this to Lord Hope and um, just from to get the legal perspective here in, in the sense that, you know, a lot of we've seen a lot of pushback from these artists and predominantly a lot of artists from hip hop culture where they're saying, hey, you know, if you guys are going to, you know, take our dances, we should at least get credit for it. You know, we should at least be, if not any monetization, maybe a link to that artist's page so that the user who's playing the video game understands the origins of where it comes from, you know, because as of right now, a lot of these dances are renamed, right? I remember when, like, uh, Destiny had the whole Michael Jackson thriller at one point. <laughs> they had the whole thing. They had the, whole whole set, the whole video. I was like, wow. Like, and even I, I always thought it back then, like, how are they legal? Did they speak to the Michael Jackson state? Oh, like, man, think about that. They didn't send my dance move over that I paid for. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the big ones are like, like I said, the Millie Rock and all these famous hip-hop dancers. So, Lord Hope, like, from a legal standpoint, you know, is there anything that an artist can do to protect 
these moves or is this just a lost cause, you know, with litigation? How do you feel about that? So the nature of litigation is mm-hmm. such that anybody can sue anybody for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can you can always make a claim. The question is, how quickly will it get defeated and kicked out of court? Mm. Um, dance moves and choreography in general as mm-hmm. an expression yes. can be protected under under copyright. Uh, but it is one of the one of the less litigated and more controversial isn't right, but but not as uh, certain uh, types of protections that you can get. It's not like copywriting a book um, or, or trademarking a, a brand name. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about something like, um, say, the thriller dance, yes. you see that dance pop up in a number of instances. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you remember in the original um, uh, mm-hmm. Plants versus Zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a there was a Michael Jackson zombie, and he did yes. a thriller thing as he moved across the mm-hmm. line, and that got that got changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about that, the reason it got changed is that that zombie originally had a um, a sparkly red vest jacket and mm-hmm. and one white sparkly glove, mm-hmm. and they said, well, that's that's clearly Michael Jackson doing Thriller as a zombie, <laughs> right. and Electronic Arts. Said, yeah, all right. Well, I, or it might have just been PopCap at the time. They're I like, yeah, you got remember. it. So we'll, we'll, we'll get that taken care of. <laughs> yeah, we'll say, uh, yeah, all right. That's fine. And that's how these legal things often work, especially with big companies, is mm-hmm. we'll do it and see if anybody comments. So ah. one, of my, one, of my favorite, one of my favorite parts of Fortnite, which I have played a significant amount of because I had to earn the lollipop girl for my girls <laughs> for seemingly $50 over the summer. Um, is that the initial dance is uh, Turk's dance from mm. to uh, Poison from Scrubs? Okay. Uh, so I, yeah. I love that show, and I noticed it immediately. And you uh-huh. look at that, and you say, "Well, that's that's an existing dance. That's Turk dancing yes. in Scrubs." And you know who can stop it? And mm-hmm. one probably nobody. Probably nobody copyrighted that choreography. You could go talk to Donald Faison or uh, whoever owns Scrubs at this point. But probably it's not that big of a deal. And mm-hmm. if it proved to be a big of a deal, you know, they'd get contacted from someone who has a plausible claim to the ownership and they'd say, fine, we'll pull it because mm-hmm. that's not what's driving the sales here. Right. And for the most part, if it if something like Fortnite looks at it and says, yeah, if you're if your dance is recognizable, mm-hmm. chances are that's advertising for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about what's allowed, what's legal, what can get you sued, a whole lot of stuff can get you sued. The question is whether or not you can justify it in a way that makes sense to the party that might be able to sue you. Um, So when we talk about streaming on Twitch, Mm -hmm. a lot of that probably isn't fair use. A lot of that, Mm -hmm. the the person that owns the intellectual property rights to that video game could probably order a takedown notice and ask Mm -hmm. you to take it down and or sue you. But I always say, you know, Nintendo does it all the time. Like Nintendo the game, does do it all the time because they decided the game, it, hurts them and it helps them. But the rest of the industry has basically decided it's good free advertising. Right. So it's a matter of what's allowed and who really wants to settle on what, what should be litigated. And in the case mm-hmm. of Twitch, mm-hmm. everybody's pretty happy with it being ambiguous because mm-hmm. if they decide someone's gone too far, they can send a cease and desist to them. And you mm-hmm. can't really look at a court case that says, no, no, I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to stream this. I'm fine mm-hmm. because nobody's willing to go all the way in terms of uh, in terms of litigating it, and that's useful both to the Twitch streamers 
as well as to the old the holders of the intellectual property. So yeah. for dances, you get a similar situation. Yeah, if yeah. I can identify the Beyonce single ladies dance, or I can identify <laughs> Turk and Scrubs, yeah. then hey, maybe that's something that they have choreography rights to, but do they want to sue me? Mm. Um, and, and do they want to make trouble? And chances mm. are, if they had a problem with it, mm. if if Fortnite weren't cartoony and friendly and everybody loved it, but it was violent and had some other appalling mm -hmm. aspects to it, you right. might have Scrubs or NBC, or you might have Beyonce, or you might have the mm -hmm. state of Michael Jackson or whoever come and say, hey, mm -hmm. I don't want to be on your murder simulator and mm -hmm. take this off or right. we're going to sue you. Mm -hmm. But Fortnite's super popular. It doesn't mm -hmm. hurt anybody. You're not losing mm -hmm. views mm -hmm. of single ladies or... or <laughs> For this being in Fortnite, you're mm -hmm. just having people remember that, hey, that was on Scrubs. Maybe I should watch that on Netflix or Hulu or wherever it lives. I want to follow up. That's a great point. Sure. I want to follow up in the sense that the argument, the I want to say the quote unquote ethical argument, right, is that what they're saying is, especially the hip hop community is saying that a lot of these popularized dance, like, at, at least if they were given their name mention of all the the actual name because a lot of times these dances let's be honest are renamed when you open up Fortnite or you open up destiny like i remember seeing these dances and it was called something completely different in context to destiny as opposed to the artist you know what about that aspect from the ethical side that you know at least if you're not going to give us monetization you're saying hey you're giving us this free advertisement by even recognizing your dance move but like you know, could you at least credit the artist or something to that effect? Do you think they have any stance on that or that's going to get like shut down? It's hard. You know, the the, the, the little guys, the, the choreographers that aren't represented by a big company and maybe did something cool or they saw it on a YouTube video. Yeah. And uh, Epic or, or Activision says, yeah, let's put that in. Yeah. <clears throat> they don't have they don't have the money. They don't have the leverage. They don't have the threatening capability to come after them. So you could take advantage of it. And I, arguably that is probably uneth uh, unethical. For the borrowing between, you know, if, if if Activision saw something cool on Fortnite and put in Destiny or vice versa, I, there's a there's a come at me bro kind of aspect. <laughs> yeah, they can sue if they want to, but chances are, again, to the extent they link to each other, it's, hey, I saw that on Destiny. Oh, right, Destiny exists. I need to play Gambit for another seven hours. Um, that's, that's something that can, that's, that's, that's unlikely to cause damage. Um, so it's probably unethical to mm -hmm. potentially the individuals, potentially mm -hmm. the small actors. Mm -hmm. um, it might be illegal, but it's not, uh, you know, if I were advising these guys, again, tweets, not legal advice, podcast mm -hmm. appearances, not legal advice. It's Love one it. of those where yeah, you're probably not going to get burned by it because somebody can't probably sue you. So yeah, gotcha. let your ethics be your guide. Let your moral compass be your guide. But from a legal standpoint, you're not probably talking about liability exposure. Gotcha. Keeping it real, Lord Hold, man. Gotta appreciate you for answering that, man. Thank you so much, man. Absolutely. Happy to be on. Absolutely. Let's wrap this thing up, man. Uh, new IOP poll this week. With the recent announcement by Sony to allow Fortnite cross-play between multiple platforms, is it fair? To now expect Bethesda to include Fallout 76 crossplay based on their previous stance involving Elder Scrolls Legends. The choices are A, yes, Sony has now exposed Bethesda's previous statements and Claus called their bluff. B, no, unreasonable expectation for Bethesda based on the time frame of Sony's announcement. Or C, I don't care who's playing those buggy Bethesda games anyway. <laughs> 
was that square is Anchorman. Those are the choices. Please rock the ILP poll when it goes up on Twitter. Lord Rick Hove, an absolute pleasure to have you in the realm of the Lord's. Truly humbling for you to be here. Outstanding fan of your work, man. We couldn't get enough. Y'all, I could talk to you all day, but I know your Lions are playing, and we got to all get back to football. But I really want to salute you, man. Thank you so much for coming through. And where can the fine people find you, and what else do you have going on? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for inviting me on. Uh, you know, they can find me if they need business legal advice on hoaglawhoeglaw.com. Or otherwise, uh, as I said, I'm talking video games and sports and uh, Kavanaugh hearings and uh, pretty much every day on at Hoaglaw, H-O-E-G-L-A-W on Twitter. Woo! Salute, man. This guy, please, he is a fantastic follow on Twitter. Please follow Hulk. Please, again, and, and for my lords that need that legal advice, please holler at your man. This guy really knows his stuff. You know, great mind. He's great in the community. True gamer. Loves gaming. And an absolute honor to have you. And, dude, we have to bring you back in some way. If, if, any subject, oh, dude, it would be much appreciated because your insight is truly yes. valuable. A lot of gamers don't understand how things work. We've learned so much today. Thank you again, Lord Hogue, the firm without fear. That's what I call you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Murdoch. Exactly. He's, he's the damn devil of the community, yeah. man. Yo, I, lo- I, I, I love when that went out. I retweeted it as Thank soon you. as I saw it. I thought about it. I said, that's what he is. I said, he is fearless, man. I, I love him, man. Salute to, to being in the realm of lords and dealing with our foolishness. <laughs> Lord Addict, what is going on? Where can the find people find you? What you got going on? You can find me on Twitter at uh, Lord Addict ILP. I'm about to make a video actually on whether or not Destiny is uh, too hard. So I uh, definitely look on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I <laughs> appreciate uh, you know, Richard, Richard for coming on. Absolutely. Lord Solve lit in the realm as usual. Where can the fine people find you besides playing Forza in 4K ultra settings, all that craziness? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's basically where you can find me the next day. <laughs> Until Red Dead comes out playing Forza and playing Tomb Raider, you can find me on Xbox Live um, on Twitter, Lord Solve ILP, BX Sovereign on Xbox Live and PSN. Yeah, definitely a big shout out to Lord Rick Hogg. I mean, it, it, I love the insights, man, because again, we as gamers, we're, we're kind of we're entitled right we we want 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 we don't know what mm-hmm. that takes where it takes mm-hmm. what it takes to get there sometimes mm-hmm. so it's always good to be, to be brought down to earth <laughs> <laughs> actually educated actually that's right man absolutely lord king lit out here in these fortnite sony bending in these streets uh first of all first and foremost uh lord hope uh thank you for showing up and and answering that question i had with the disney fox acquisition and comcast yes. in the sky yes. that that was really plaguing me for a couple of days and uh, like you really cleared that up for me yes. like, cause, cause, yeah, at first you know i was afraid that uh, comcast was going to do what they was doing you know raising the price of fox and all that other stuff but you know i see they came to a, a good resolution mm-hmm. to it and i just wanted to know where the money was going not like i was getting any of it <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah. but okay so you guys can uh find me at um iron lords uh, on destiny uh in the clan that we're about to cut down uh 
Lord Cognito and mm -hmm. myself and Tack is going to sit together. If mm -hmm. you have not played Destiny and you're in this clan, you have not played in the last 12 days, you are out. <laughs> you are out. Uh, unless, uh, unless you're Godfathered in and those people that know they are Channel 5 members. So yeah. that, that, that speaks volume. So if you don't understand what I just said and you're 12 days out, you better log in and you better start getting in that work right now. Because if you got in just to get the whisper, fraud alert, you're done, son. It's over. <laughs> All right, people log in just to, just to look at the orbit and leave. You gotta do whatever you gotta do. Um, but uh, combat talk, uh, what a sad one is gonna come up. Um, I'm doing my research to just okay. to flush out the, the back end of it. Mm -hmm. Also, KOS is coming. You don't understand Ooh. what that means, but you would know what it means soon. I can give you a, a, a view on some of the stuff that's piling up right there. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's going to be part of the KOS, and I'll explain that later. But we have a lot of things happening. We have big announcements coming. We wanted to have a big announcement for you guys today, yeah. but intellectual properties and people <laughs> came up and blocked us. So they send their lawyers out to shut us down. They send their hogs at us. <laughs> did they? Did they? Yeah. So, um, yeah, but that'll get fixed, and we have a big announcement coming for you guys, and you will love it. Yes, sir. We like I said, we wanted to break it, but we have to work out the kinks. We'll get that straight out. And again, to double down on what Lord King was saying in reference to Lord Hogue with the uh, Marvel stuff, I want to implore you, Lords. I mean, he's a big fan. He has great content. He actually has a YouTube channel that I'm gonna plug for him because he didn't oh, plug sure. it. <laughs> Hogue Law, please check out his YouTube channel, and he has a fantastic video on the MCU, the whole evolution of that, the culmination yes. to Infinity War. Fantastic. And Lord Hogue was also my source during those painful times of the Disney Comcast Fox, <laughs> you know, say ballings of winning. And I'm like, Lord, that's right. Is it gonna get finalized? And you're like, it's happening. I'm like, but I'm, I'm nervous. It's always a snag. Comcast is resisting. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why don't they bend the knee? He's like, it's gonna happen. And he gave me that insurance, and it sure enough, it did happen. So again, big MCU fan as well. He is so please check him out at his channel, Whole Glow. Yeah, man, that's what I got. So um, yeah, as far as us, you already know we can find us. On the Inner Circle Network, obviously, in the affiliate, shout out to all the people. The links will be in the description. Shout out to Lloyd Kaibatsu. We'll get the timestamps up. You'll know about that. And, of course, the stream team, Lord Snaldo, all those guys, L Boogie. L -Boogie. We're still working them. Everybody, old school style, all the crew. We're going to work to get this thing a little bit refined a little bit and get these guys on. So, um, yeah, that's what I got. And also Flashpoint, like I said, uh, King said Combat Talk will be coming soon on the ILP channel. And uh, Flashpoint the, uh, 31 is currently up now with Ebontis. We're breaking down all the latest stuff in the economy. So for the hardcore destiny needs, we got you on the Iron Law podcast. And thanks. Once again, one last public service announcement, and I'll really close it out because I know we got to go, is I really thank you guys for spreading the word. It really means a lot. We're trying to bring high quality content. And the new Patreon subscribers, we really thank you. It really means a lot to us. So everybody, please enjoy your Sunday. If anybody else has anything to say, if not, we'll close this thing out. Peace. <laughs>